0: Hey guys, it's Fred. We're going to keep the show in its entirety the way it is, but afterwards I've got some special announcements on how this is going to work in June, what's going on with Retroactive Magazine, and also what's going on with our live shows. So if you're interested in all that, just stay tuned after the music plays at the end.
1: Game history 101.
0: Alright, what's up everybody and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts, my name is Fred Rojas, and Jam will not be joining us, he's on holiday this weekend, but um, we do have um, somewhat of a guest, but he is also very much involved with Gaming History 101 on the regular. Uh, That is Austin, welcome Austin.
2: Thank you, glad to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Glad to have you, especially for this show. And we also have a special guest coming straight from Devil's Castle, Dracula himself. We have our special guest, John Learned, uh, freelance writer. Thank you for joining us,
1: John. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, We had you on because I actually got your name from Matt Bradford on a, uh, a different episode we had him on for. And he said, you need to find this guy because he has done the Annotated Symphony of the Night. And, um, Matt kind of just left it there. He didn't really go into what your, your series was. Um, and that's I think that's very a... Matt Bradford of him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and again, it wasn't like he didn't want to promote it, but he just kind of left it there on the table for me to find <laughs> and do with what I would. Um, and I did, and I think he knew I would do this. Uh, and, uh, and, and your, uh, your series was a delight to find because, um, from what I gather, and I have to confess, I have not watched the whole thing. Uh, in fact, I've only watched the the pretty much the first two episodes, and the reason being is up and until this weekend, I had not uh, completed Symphony of the Night, so I wanted to beat it first. But your <clears throat> video series appears to walk you through basically playing through the whole game, but you add, you know, kind of the context both in the Castlevania world and just uh, the overall uh, meaning and secrets throughout hidden throughout this game, of which there are a sizable amount. Um, you know, kind of as you yeah, go.
1: it's. It's um, I mean, it wasn't really intended to be um, just a, a straight up let's play of it. Like, you know, when I first played the game is as, as a you know, when it first came out in 97, I had played all the the older Castlevanias. And at that, at that point and I, I could see the references even back then, like, oh, this came from this game and this came from this game. And I always kind of wanted somebody to do like. Just kind of crack the whole game wide open and say, OK, here's where all these references come from. Here are the religious references and the biblical allusions and blah, 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 blah. And I kind of got sick of waiting and I decided to <laughs> I'm going to learn to edit video myself. It can't be a bad skill to have. So this was the first thing I've I've decided to do.
0: Yeah. And, and again, there are many other videos on your channel now. Uh, I I did play around a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was a very, uh, cool, um, discovery to have, uh, especially because, and I don't mean to dog these individuals, but symphony of the night is a very popular let's play topic. It can help you increase your subscribers and definitely your Twitch viewers. I've learned that now in the world of trying to (laughs) dig up, uh, arbitrary, uh, subscribers and, um, And so uh, I I feel it it breaks my heart sometimes to see the way Let's Players kind of have handled, and again, it's just something I don't understand, and I'll I'll cop to that, but there is a lot of uh, Symphony of the Night Let's Plays out there where they either don't know what's going on, or there's weird edits where they figured something out and then they jumped back into it, or they just talk smack or or make stupid sounds on the game the whole time. And, um, so it was, it was a breath of fresh air.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So, you know, I try to like, I don't know, make it as clinical as I can, I guess. So like sometimes I'm not as boring a dude as what I come across in those videos. Like those come out very dry because I have to stick to a very specific script when doing that stuff. But, um, but there's, There's a lot to unpack in each in most of the videos, like some stuff's really development heavy. Other stuff is like, okay, these are this is where all these enemies come from. They come from previous games and blah, 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 blah. So it gets it gets a little bit in the weeds sometimes. But um, (laughs) but, yeah, I'm about halfway through where I'm just about to go into uh not quite the second castle yet instead i'm gonna like sprint back through the rest of the the castle to kind of like map everything i couldn't get for my Mm. first run through but i'll use that as a time to kind of throw in development info and in things that don't really fit anywhere else so um not quite to the second castle yet I, i hope that doesn't really spoil it for for people out there but uh, thanks for finding it. And thanks for having me on here. I'm really excited to talk about this stuff
0: oh, yeah, most definitely and actually, it's funny when you talk about this uh austin um you i don't know I'm guessing you're probably familiar with my my cron c d uh, series, but um a, a lot of what you're saying is kind of the same thing. I always wanted somebody to chronologically play every c d based console game, which is a bit of a masochistic endeavor because oh my god uh, once you get outside of the p c engine c d it's not a very well, I really like it, but most people i don't think will uh, i I have a penchant for f m v games i don't know why. oh, turn off the ringtone um but uh, <laughs> I think that
1: was an appropriate sound at that moment <laughs> yeah, actually
0: my ringtone is is notorious for perfectly inserting itself into certain situations <laughs> um, you like sewer shark <laughs> <laughs> yep exactly um but uh, but yeah, so I decided to do it because no one else was going to do it. Like, you know, I talked to Dr. sparkludo 's Crontendo and a couple other people who were doing that stuff, and they were like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I might do PC Engine CD only, but that's it. And I said, okay. So I started doing it, and what I do is I basically tackle about 15 games an episode. It's pretty standard fare uh, for about 5 to 10 minutes per game. Uh, but yeah, in the same regard, it's got to be very scripted because if you go off the cuff, you end up with uh, I have an early doom video where I compared each version of doom and, um, and I just did them off the cuff. I just paced in a room and recorded each each version of like mm-hmm. the eighteen versions of doom and I used the word compromised in that video probably two hundred and fifty times <laughs> uh, and people point it out constantly because it 's youtube it 's the internet, but like for a change, I was very pleased about that so I totally get that, and I think the video comes off um, as exactly what I was, in my opinion, looking for out of something that has that title, The Annotated Symphony of the Night. Like, that is exactly what I expected it to be. I think you did a really good job.
1: Thank you. So. Thank you very much.
0: But yes, and of course, there will be a link in the show notes. Everyone is encouraged to go check that out. Um, uh, if only to, to kind of see the, the beginning of that work, but it is, uh, it is fascinating, and I'll be watching the rest of it uh, now that I've, I've completed the game. Um, One other thing we probably didn't run through with you, John, is uh, this is a spoiler cast. All of our game clubs are spoiler casts, so feel free to go to town. People kind of come into it with the understanding um, that uh, it's probably best to have played the game that we're talking about before... um and uh, before diving into this because sometimes at the very beginning of the episode you could learn the ending
1: <laughs> this is also a 20 year old video game and i think the statute of limitations <laughs> is over at this point so
0: yes as a retro podcast we understand the statute of limitations we also kind of throw it out the window once a decade has passed that's usually my uh, my sweet spot uh, unless it's something like I don't know if it's something that's just been released for the first time in America or something. I could see the argument. Yeah. Yeah. But but usually no. So. um, But yeah. So. So thank you very much for being on. And um, and Austin, from my understanding, you're just a big Symphony of the Night fan.
2: I love all the Egovania games, so I am happy to be here.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's. Play with john a little bit here and say so where do you sit in the whole metroidvania egavania or whatever uh camp on uh, uh labels are you a label guy i uh,
1: i i think i just got used to saying metroidvania and then that, mm-hmm. that's just what stuck with me um i actually talked to scott Sharkey about this for the videos too and i'm like you know where, where did you? Where you basically made up the term? From what I can find, like, are you comfortable still using? Me? He's like, I don't give a shit. So, <laughs> and that is so that is
0: definitely I, a Scott Sharky thing. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> super super cool guy. But um yeah, I I guess Igavania is going to like at least he is going to try to like shift the 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 cultural I guess glossary away from Metroidvania because you know he didn't have anything to do with Metroid, but. Um, right. I, I mean, call it whatever you want. Like people are going to get, they will understand what you mean. So yes. one way or the other, what's the difference?
0: Yes. We, uh, we, we actually made fun of this. I forget if we did it in an episode or a article where it was like, we, we called them castle for a while. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Which sounds like a terrible thing you end up in a doctor's office for. But right. um, but yeah, so uh, – but no, it, it's true. And I was recently listening to Retronauts, and Jeremy Parrish has kind of taken that and run with it. Um, and, uh, and and somewhere in there, yeah, they started uh, uh, making him the, uh, the, the progenitor of – and again, I don't think he did it himself. I think it was when he was guesting on something. They were like, oh, yeah, you're kind of the one who made up Metroidvania. And I was like, actually, there is well, some – Yeah,
1: I actually started with Jeremy Parish. I emailed him and I'm like, hey, look, I from what I understand, you you made this term up. Like, are you comfortable with me calling you out on on an episode of the show? And he was like, no, that was actually Scott Sharkey. If you you should probably get a hold of him. So I started with Jeremy Parrish, thinking the same thing. And (laughs) uh, yeah, then I I reached out to Sharkey on Twitter. and, And yeah, he's like, I don't know when I made it up. It was sometime in the 90s on a blog like, yeah, I wish I can give you more info on it but I'm like that's enough. That's perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, no no, and and to be clear, like Jeremy's a great guy. Like I've I've never met him in person. I've always wanted to, but uh but he's always he's always really cool. I tried to get a hold of him at US Gamer for a while by going through his press mm-hmm. people like the the press contacts and it always came up nil. And so I just eventually hit him up on Twitter and he immediately responded and so I thought that was great. Um but uh, but yeah yeah again it's not him who who is kind of pushing that it's uh, it, it just he gets attributed to it a lot and uh, yeah he's always been pretty defensive of letting people know that it was Scott Sharkey although mm-hmm. Sharkey's kind of you know outside of Twitter kind of uh, steps in the shadows and 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 hides behind or hides in the in the background unless you catch him at like Portland Retro Gaming Expo or something but
1: um, yeah he doesn't really seem to be involved with video games as much anymore so yeah I guess yeah. he goes to like events and stuff like that but yeah it's just he kind of moved on and i mean jeremy Parrish has done a lot of work with, with metroidvania stuff like he runs his own metroidvania website and yes he does he's a super super nice guy super knowledgeable too and i just think that yeah i think it, just over time people more kind of attributed him with that stuff as opposed to somebody that actually made the term up but you know whatever Well, again, uh, what I like about him is he has the
0: resources to get the individuals into discussions. And uh, that's always like kind of using your power for good, you know, if I were to devolve (laughs) it down into, uh, you know, superheroes. So I do like that. But um, anyway, um, all right. So let's delve into Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Um, The way I was kind of going to break this up, but it's going to be a very conversational podcast. We kind of handle all of our... um, Our our, uh, game clubs in different ways, depending on what fits best for this. And again, I think it's just conversational is probably the best. But uh, I was going to delve a little bit into development uh, along with uh, the two of you. And then we'll jump into the game proper. If you've never played the game, again, spoilers, there is the regular castle and you can get the bad ending or you can... Figure out what you have to do to get the inverted castle, which we'll talk about, and uh, that can allow you to get the true ending. So um, there are actually two castles. So this, this discussion will go into the main castle, and then we'll discuss the second or inverted castle, which while it doesn't take as much time, or at least that was mine and Austin's experience as we were chatting about it, um, it doesn't take as long to complete, but it is the same size so um you just have a lot more resources <laughs> going into the inverted castle um and then i figured we'd wrap up with uh, kind of what we're doing here which is just uh, some pretty heavy impressions and, and and our takeaway from it so um all right well so john i don't know do you want to jump into this uh to begin kind of where it starts do you want me to take what i've got uh, how did you want to how'd you want to jump into the the beginning of development Um, I can,
1: I guess I can get into it if you, if you'd like me to, Sure, Um, we
0: had you on, so I'd I'd love to (laughs) have you, I'd love to have you take the (laughs) reins if you don't mind. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, um, game was released in 97 on the PlayStation, um, in Japan it was called, um, Nocturne in the Moonlight and it was, it is a sequel to the PC engine game Rondo of Blood, which at the time. Never made it to the United States because the the PC Engine, of course, was the the Japanese counterpart to the TurboGrafx-16, which wasn't exactly setting the U.S. (laughs) retail world afire. Um, I had one,
0: um, and I was very lonely. Um,
1: At the time? You had one at the time? Yeah,
0: I bought one at Toys R Us in 92, 93? Uh, on clearance and I had three games for it and then the the whole thing disappeared and me and my buddy with a master system up the street and two games for that uh, just sat and cried uh, and and realized that we (laughs) needed to own something else (laughs) I was going to
1: say you had a buddy with a master system you had a (laughs) TurboGrafx-16 We you both. were those two kids on the other side of the playground.
0: <laughs> we both had NESs. you also have a
1: virtual boy? <laughs> yeah, right.
0: No. You know what? We had learned. That's why we didn't have a virtual
1: boy. We were like, oh,
0: man. No, I know where this That's story is. a brutal goes. lesson. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Actually, I didn't learn mine because I got a Sega CD and a 32X as well. <laughs> so. Oh. Hey, Zeus. But you know what? Uh, I bought them all on clearance, so at least I had that okay. going for me. Uh, I waited till they died um, to grab them. <laughs> so.
1: but. Okay. Okay. Um, well, the game was made concurrent with it was being developed concurrently with the this, the Nintendo sixty four Castlevania reboot, which was supposed to be a reboot anyway. So, right. um, Iga, Koji Igarashi is is one of the game's directors, uh, along with another man named Toru Hagihara. Um, they were co directors of the game. Toru Hagihara had directed the Rondo of Blood, the PC Engine game. And so they were kind of left alone by Konami. They were like, um, you know, we're, we're, we're more interested in, in pushing things into 3D. We're, we're going to do our own thing here. So you guys do what you want as long as it comes out on time. And so uh, Igarashi is a guy that's got kind of a, a reputation, or at least he did a Konami, that like he could get games... He can, he can get them out the door and he can get them out under budget. So he works really well with really small teams. But like he originally didn't direct the game. This guy Hagihara did. So Hagihara, mm-hmm. I think at some point, like midway through development, gets promoted. And I think he's still, or from what I understand, he's still working at Konami as is, is something of a big wig. Um, and so Igarashi kind of took the game over about halfway through development and finished things up. But. Um, Igarashi was a big big fan of the series. So he sort of made his bones in Japan. Um I think it was a dating sim. Um, it
0: was, yeah, it was. Um and uh, it was it was a very popular dating sim, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to remember what the exact name was it. Here we go. Tokimeki uh, Tokimeki Memorial.
1: Tokimeki Memorial. Yeah, right. Um so he <laughs> he had just had a pretty big success doing that and from what i've read of him and like interviews i've seen of him like he was you know he kind of went to konami and said all right i've done this this bullshit <laughs> yep. dating sim for you let me do what i want now and so they they kind of moved him into other castlevania projects but only as basically like a side guy so um so he he really knew the series and and he's been pretty vocal about um Castlevania 3 for the NES is being his favorite among them. So he sort of wanted to evolve that. And, and he knew and Hagihara knew that like if if the 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 2D Castlevania games are going to go by the wayside and like we're going to basically start this thing over again with this, the 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 3D versions of this game, we're going to basically give it like this huge blowout send-off. We're going to do as much as we can and cram as much as we possibly could into this video game. So it's it's just reference piles of references to older games it's um it's a like the whole plot essentially kind of revolves around not only a sequel to Rondo of Blood with what happens to those characters but like an older character from from Dracula's Curse from the NES and like you know he's going to mm-hmm. basically just cobble all this stuff together and this this is going to be like the perfect castlevania game in his mind and um it sort of was you know when it came out <laughs> yeah when people leave you alone apparently and let you do your own thing, you come out with, you kind of wind up with a masterpiece. And that's what this game really kind of happened to be. Um, But it wasn't their first shot at doing this. So (laughs) there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of info out there about this, but like speaking of the 32 (laughs) X, Igarashi's first Castlevania project was a canceled 32 X game. Kind of internally called the bloodletting and it um, uh, didn't really go very far, and the 32x was kind of doa anyway. So, they they had sort of taken some of that work and moved it into Rondo of, or um, Symphony of the Night. Um, but it, I, from what I understand, it really kind of took Huggy hard to kind of step in and say, okay, all right, everybody, let's get together. It's a small team; we're only like maybe ten people deep, and just see what we can come up with. And that's in Symphony of the Night. It's kind of what we got.
0: Yeah, and, and to build a little bit off of this, um, I do want to dial back uh, to a couple of previous games, uh, if you don't mind, for a sec. Um, so, Austin, I think you've talked about you have not played Castlevania Two: Dracula's Curse on the NES. No,
2: okay. I have not. The only experience I've had with any of the older ones was the. Um, it was ported to PlayStation. I think it's Castlevania Chronicles. Which ah, is a the, remake of the first one.
1: Well, it's the it's a remake San Diego, of the
0: yeah,
2: yes. But I've played the PlayStation One port of that, and that is my only experience with any title that is kind of before this
0: one. Okay, um, well, and so the only reason I bring those up is, you know, yeah, they do talk about kind of where some of the ideas of this come about, and. Um, uh, you know the thing with castlevania two and john i'm i 'm not sure of your opinions we 'll get them in a sec um is that game is a really good premise with just a really bad execution um in my opinion um what like what kind of what are your thoughts on on castlevania two briefly
1: yeah um okay so let 's let let 's start even further back than this okay. so um, the first Castlevania game, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast already know it, but it was it was a very linear level by level design game. Um, kind of, I mean, it took its main inspirations from like old Universal and Hammer horror movies. It's all just monsters in a castle guy with a whip kind of thing. And Castlevania 2 is is sort of this this really large non linear um, sort of action RPG, um, a, a little adventure gamey, but um very challenging to play because um by Iga's own admission, like everybody in the in the game lies to you, yes, so like you're trying so to mean. figure out what you, yeah, and like for years, the American side of of video gaming was like, oh man, this translation's awful. no one's giving you good direction, and igarashi was was like, no, these people are fucking lying to you. They did that on purpose, yeah, and so so it's really. Not, it's not an easy game to love. So <laughs> um, they took a step back from there for Castlevania 3, Dracula Dracula's Curse's Castlevania Three.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and they went back to the level-by-level level design, but, like, the branching paths, like, post each level, sometimes you have choices of where you can go to and different, like, companions that you can pick up. And that's, that's what Igarashi's... From, at least at that point, that was his favorite game of the series. So... the the, from there, the series kind of kept on that, that linear path. So Castlevania four for the super Nintendo, um, was, was also kind of a divergence from the rest of the series. Like it's, it's basically a remake of the first game and Simon Belmont moves in a, he's, he's a little bit more agile of a character. He can whip in eight directions and, um, it's an okay game, but it was sort of an evolutionary dead end of, of where the series eventually went off to. Mm -hmm. Um, After that was Bloodlines for the Sega Genesis, which was um, very much kind of like the first Castlevania game, and it's just a straight path through. You can pick one of two characters to choose from the beginning, and depending on which character you choose, that that dictates the path through the game that you take. But um, it's pretty no-nonsense. It's very straight-up, action-heavy game. Mm -hmm. And then... For the PC, the, we've mentioned this already, but Rondo of Blood came out for the PC Engine, and that was very much like Castlevania 3 in that there were branching paths that you could take through the game. You can pick up one companion character, if you're if you're scouring everything, but um, it was it was very much like, I mean, the Retronauts have said this too, but it, it's very obvious that like it's it was Castlevania kind of going anime at that point. <laughs> so <laughs> very Although, much for the japanese mark i'm sorry go
0: ahead oh well there are there are a couple of things that were were very striking to me with rondo of blood and i had actually played rondo of blood for the first time uh probably in the late 90s at a uh, at a convention where they had just kind of had it out right you Good you look man. at you look at the pc engine cd and you're like oh my god you know and they're speaking german and it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> japanese subtitles and you're like are you kidding um but yeah, you can figure it out, but uh, w- yeah, and, and and I believe the companion char- character you're talking about is Maria, who can be unlocked in the right. beginning, um, and she's kind of easy mode unlocked, uh, <laughs> to be honest. She
1: you. breaks that game, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I can beat that game with Maria. It's it's uh, not easy, but it's much easier than with Trevor, uh, or yeah. not with Richter, blech, that was a bad uh, mistake. Um, but uh, but what I do like about it is there are certain areas in that game where you kind of see the hints of, and again, this is probably something that was said on Retronauts as well, but you see hints of um, the castle itself and like the seams almost because you'll go into like an alcove and there's nothing there but like a skeleton. There's not even sometimes a hidden item. It's just like, I remember in the clock tower, you just go into this side area that you can break the wall of. And when you go in there, it's just a little conveyor belt that brings you down and there's a skeleton at the bottom and then you just walk out and you're down in the lower area, which you could have taken the stairs to. But it's like, okay, well, this is a real, you know, this is like kind of a, a complex area. This area has like hidden rooms and and spots. And again, it's just little hints of stuff. There's usually not too much hidden in there. But, you know, as we've said, you know, even with Maria, there is a decent number of, of, of Easter eggs in that game. But um but I, I do like it because it starts to kind of hint at what will eventually become Symphony of the Night. Right, um, right. And the only other thing I wanted to bring up was way back when, and I've actually dug this up and played it, and it's an interesting one, uh, is the game Vampire Killer on the MSX. Um, Have either of you ever dug up and played this one? (laughs) Yep. Okay. No. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Austin, you're probably talking emulators at this point. Uh, I don't see a good, solid way to do this without spending a ton of money. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's basically... A puzzle game. It is Castlevania as a puzzle game. You kind of get scenarios almost, and and it it pretends the castle is one large, you know, area, but it kind of gives you limited snippets of it, and you're trying to find like a key and then get through a door. And again, it's it's a little bit more like a puzzle game where you only have a couple rooms at your disposal, and it pretty much borrows the NES aesthetics. Um, John, what's your take on Vampire Killer? Yeah,
1: it's 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 basically like it is a very proto Metroidvania at the, I mean, other games had been sort of doing it and starting figuring it out at that point, but Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's not an, also not an easy game to love. It's uh, a, it's really awkward. Um, the movement's super awkward and I mean, the MSX was not a machine kind of built for playing scrolling action games. So it's all just like single room, single room, single room kind of thing. And I, I played it for the, for the video series, the annotated stuff. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, and I, I got as, as far as I could stand it. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like dig clips up off of, off of YouTube. If I absolutely need something from this, this, Oh my god! I couldn't stand it. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. What the problem with this game, Austin, is it's 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 very um, it's tricky because you look at it and you see NES Castlevania, and you're like, all right, I'm on board for this. Okay, it's a Goonie Vania. If you've ever played the Goonies one or two, that's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you've ever played it on um, on on the NES, like it's it 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 looks like that, and it's got the same design like that. The problem is, as as John says, it. just does not control that way. Uh, Simon Belmont and and just the Castlevania series as a whole needs stronger, more firm controls and uh, kind of just better interaction with characters. Uh, I feel like hit detection's a little off sometimes. Uh, I feel like and maybe it's a frame rate thing. And I've too, I've tooled with the uh, emulator a decent amount. I think it says I'm on NTSC uh, 60 hertz, but I don't know. Things just don't quite work as they should. Um, And it's not a great puzzle game to boot. Like, it doesn't follow, you know, Goonies 1 on the NES, or on the Famicom Disk System, actually. I really love that game. Um, And it's not not a a good representation of that. And again, you look at another game that was very similar to that, which was... um, I'm sorry, in, in design, and uh, basically how they had to get around the technical limitations was Metal Gear for the MSX. Um, mm-hmm. And that game lends itself a lot better to this kind of design because it's all about moving slowly. You, uh, Snake does not have to be. <clears throat> Very agile. He doesn't have to work in the moment. In fact, you're probably better off the more precise you are with the up, down, left, right. That's another problem. Uh, the up, down, left, right of the MSX's keyboard doesn't translate well to a gamepad if you use that with the emulator. Um, and so it just, it doesn't lends itself too well because Metal Gear is not a platformer and Castlevania is. Uh, and so, yeah, it, again, it looks great in screenshots and then you play it and you're like, okay, maybe this wasn't, uh... <laughs> it's the you opposite. Know, points for
1: trying though. Like yeah. I, get, I give those guys credit for really giving it a shot, but it, yeah, it was, those were baby steps. Those were programmers trying to figure out how to, how to design an interesting game and it, It's a it's a noble failure, and I. (laughs) If you've I give him credit, but I never want to play it again.
0: Yeah, if you want to go look up on YouTube, Gradius. uh, It might be called Nemesis in Japan on the MSX. Uh, and see how the MSX handles scrolling. And any if Jam were here, any any guy in the UK uh, or you know or in Europe as a whole who who has seen scrolling in action on a microcomputer will tell you um, we're probably better having Vampire Killer be what it was as opposed to trying to make the NES version of Castlevania work. But it just didn't. <laughs> so um, so you know again, kudos for trying. But uh, yeah, so. Um, but that's kind of... These are all kind of the building blocks as to where Symphony of the Night uh, kind of comes together. So, uh, John, I'll kind of pass the buck back to you um, on kind of the development side. I don't know how much or a little more you want to talk about before we jump into the game itself.
1: Okay. Well, um, you know, as most people know at this point, too, it's a nonlinear action game. So as opposed to, like, falling into pits, which would kill you, and that's what um, Iga used to refer to those as one-hit kills, Um he, as a um a way to sort of attract newer players, he wanted to make they they were very open about wanting to make the game a little bit easier. and eliminating pit deaths basically was one way of doing that. So what they actually did was kind of look back toward, excuse me, the Legend of Zelda, which everyone um you know, even though we've been calling it Metroidvania for years and years and years, um, The Legend of Zelda is actually a bigger influence on the development team than Metroid ever was. Um, so they wanted to make a sort of like side scrolling Zelda game. And that means like, if you fall into a pit, then that's not going to kill you. It should just take you to a different area kind of thing. Um, so they, like I said, were, were sort of left alone and did all this stuff. And, um, a lot of things didn't quite work the way they wanted it to. And I mean, video game development is hard, so, you like you said earlier, Fred, about like the seams that you can see in Rondo of Blood. You can you can definitely see some of that stuff in in Symphony of the Night too. But just with the amount of crap that they crammed in there, it's right. it's a miracle, really. It's it's a miracle that this game a got was released. B was released in the state that it was because I can't imagine the time it took to to put all that stuff in there. Mm -hmm. and see that it's it's still really good it just feels good in your hands it controls very very well um and it's a fun game to sort of um it's challenging your first way through at least it can be but like once you sort of once you figure the game out a little bit like once once you get to like like memorizing the lyrics of the song basically once you really start to dig into things you can just crack it over your knee <laughs> immediately and it's it's a fun game to just break in half so um yeah so that's that's kind of it in broad strokes
0: sure um yeah i, I last night i had a couple of beers uh, after a barbecue and um I'd be lying if I said I wasn't in a, a really deep click hole of um, reading some of the, uh, you know, one of the easy examples is I had no idea about the half fairy, the nose demon and the sword familiar. Um, mm-hmm. No clue. Not, didn't even know those existed. Um, and, and finding out about those and things like that, um, uh, I just, yeah, I just spent like two hours just looking into all the crazy secrets of this game. And I was like, you know what? I just need to go back and 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 again start uh, watching your series and stuff like that. But uh, I knew if I did, if I wasn't more active, I would just fall asleep. So, but uh, <laughs> but I am I am continually uh, impressed, and actually I look forward to uh, to, to to breaking this game. Um, another thing I definitely want to try to do, and uh, I don't want to spoil this too much, but um, play through the game as Richter, uh, which uh, from my limited half an hour I spent with that. Looks like that's a whole nother level of uh, of, of challenge in and of itself. Um,
1: so. It's fun. It's not... Um, I mean, there's really not a ton to it if you're looking for more plot. It's just... It's very bare bones. But um, you... I mean, Richter has more... He's, he's got a very... A wider moveset than he did in Rondo of Blood. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's got, like an like, an upward kind of super jump kind of thing. And that's the way that you would get through, like, the clock tower and stuff like that. But... Um, yeah, so once you sort of figure out like what his moveset is and, and kind of getting through the game, it is a little bit, I will say it's a little bit harder. At least I found it to be that way. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's fun to kind of screw around with once. But yeah, not as much <laughs> as, as the whole game, I guess.
0: Kind of a novelty. Um, yeah. 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 Um, One other thing I want to point out, and I actually do want to save this for the back half when we talk about our impressions, is this game also did come out on the Sega Saturn, but American Mm -hmm. and European audiences probably don't know that, or if you do, it's probably a passing thought. Um, The Saturn port... Not solid, which you would think it is based off of the Saturn 's ability to handle 2d sprites, but there's actually an, an in that uh, in, in an interview uh, that uh, i 'll throw a link to they kind of discuss it where the backgrounds are actually pretty dynamic in this game um, they're essentially sprites in and of themselves uh, that didn 't play too well with uh, with the Saturn's uh, <laughs> hardware architecture, and then uh, a lot of the special effects that are used in this game. Um, the one that is easiest one to come to mind is when you're partially in water and partially out of water, uh, and a lot of the transparencies, they don't go over well on the Saturn. Uh, the Saturn also has a chunky frame rate, uh, which is kind of the kiss of death for this game. If this game is not running at 60 frames <laughs> smooth, it's very hard to keep the flow of combat, and that... That hurts you a lot uh, with the Saturn port. I haven't played too much of the Saturn port. I just took it as a foregone conclusion when people like Jeremy Parish say it's not worth playing, or it's not a great version of that game. That maybe that's probably not the best way to experience it the first time. So
1: yeah, it's a it's a footnote. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more. But like, if anybody's really curious what the differences are, Digital Foundry did this really spectacular video no on, on like, the very key technical differences between both systems. And it's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's super inside baseball. Like you've really got to <laughs> want to know this stuff, but like it's, but it's, it's digital foundry.
0: Watching. So you're, you're kind of accepting that at the door. So it, it, right. for anyone <laughs> listening who doesn't know who digital foundry is, yeah, it's exactly what he just said. Like it's, it's all inside baseball, really deep diving into the visual stuff. Um, Wow, looks like Symphony of the Night, the Japanese version on Saturn, sells for about $1 to 150 these days. Um,
1: and that's gone up, like way up.
0: Yeah, I've got a modded Saturn, and this is one of those rare instances where I don't feel so bad about just burning a disc and giving it a go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel as, th- as though I should own it, like some like perverse sense of duty, but um, <laughs> well, I haven't could- pulled the trigger yet.
0: Well, and you don't know this about me, John, but uh, I am a player and not much of a collector. I have a collection because by default you have to, but like I have versions of games that are in conditions no collector would allow into their (laughs) shelves. Half my games are on spindles uh, with data side touching data side. So uh, yeah, like... I, I keep I keep good care of them, but uh, they're not. I, I have a lot of really junky games. My uh, my copy of Conquerors Bad Fur Day, literally the cartridge falls in half if you don't keep the the tape on it. So I, I buy those Great. types of games uh, good, so I can good. play them. Yeah.
1: We need more of you.
0: <laughs> yes, I have the Junk Keep collection, <laughs> but That's they all no way, man. They all play. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> jump into the the main castle the uh, uh when you first enter the game what you think is the main campaign so um uh and austin since it's been a little bit uh, we've been waxing back and forth on the development why don't you just start us off with a real quick uh you know kind of intro to what the game's premise is who the character or the main character is that you control and whatnot
2: yeah for sure so symphony of the night um, it starts out, you're playing as Richter Belmont, and you reenact the last boss fight against Dracula from the Rondo of Blood game. Uh, I think they put that in there because no one had really played that in the States for most people, anyway. So it was since it was a continuation of the story. They kind of wanted to loop those things together. Um, so, and after the Dracula.
0: Real fight, quick, it's a bold misappropriation of that final fight. I would like to say. <laughs> oh yeah, it's apparently
2: a
1: lot easier, but it's like a yeah. thousand percent easier. <laughs> yeah,
0: yes, uh, I've I've never been able to uh, complete that with Richter yet uh, in the in the actual game. So. <laughs>
2: So you mean in Rondo of Blood, they don't just give you un- unlimited life when you die and let you just fight him?
0: <laughs> well, see, I didn't know that. I didn't die uh, when I played uh, uh. this boss battle. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that doesn't make me great or anything. It's just uh, I really did go into it thinking it would it possibly uh, hint at uh, uh, a boss fight uh, similar to the, the one, and it's 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 very much not, or it's a lot easier version of it. You take a lot less damage, and you have a lot more resources at your hands, but yeah
2: yeah even so i managed to die so i guess i might have to skip out on rondo of blood for now and i
0: think they expected but... <laughs> a lot of people to die so. <laughs> yeah.
2: so once you jump into the actual game you play as alucard um he was in castlevania 3 you guys mentioned but he spoilers uh, son of dracula his name is dracula backwards actually But you are basically playing as Alucard in order to stop the resurrection of Dracula, as is common in the Castlevania series. And you work alongside with Richter and Maria in order to kind of stop that.
0: Right. And I should point out that uh, until you kind of get a feel for what's really going on in the castle, uh, Richter actually presents himself throughout the main campaign, especially if you get the bad ending, as the the bad guy, the nemesis. Uh, it seems like he takes over, uh, you know, w- depending on what you want to call it. We'll just call it, I don't know, is Castlevania the appropriate term, John? <laughs> I don't know what they call it I think it, it is. I, yeah,
1: I think in the series it's called Castlevania.
0: Yeah. Yeah, in Japan they call it Devil's Castle, but, like, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, you know, whether it's Akumajo or Castlevania, you can call it what you like, but uh, we'll use Castlevania. But the idea is that Richter has... Uh, once he defeated Dracula, he has uh, kind of taken over as uh, Lord of the Castle, and he is your nemesis in the beginning um, until you figure out what's kind of really going on. Um, but the the first thing I wanted to discuss was how striking it is. Uh, and and Austin, I apologize. This may be a little different for you, uh, but you've got a you've at least gotten a taste for it. How different it is to play as Al- Alucard with. Um, Um, More melee style weapons, and yeah, the whip is a melee style weapon, but it was always a a very distinct kind of style. And you got to get a little more into the faces of the enemy, um, as Alucard, in my opinion. Like you've got to yeah, definitely for sure. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, because I had played all the Game Boy Advance in the DS games before this, um, which don't have, or a lot of them have the whip, or you can use longer range weapons um, that have kind of different playstyles. So transitioning to this very short, you have barely an arm span away from the enemies when you're used to the whip where you can be very far away. It was It was kind of challenging to get used to for sure.
0: Yeah, John. Uh, how was uh, how was the the switch in weapons for you? Uh,
1: you know, honestly, for me coming from those older Castlevania games, like Alucard is so much more mobile, and, mm-hmm. and the attacks can be so much faster. That that's one of the things that felt easier to me because mm-hmm. you really have to you've got to be pretty methodical playing as the Belmonts of the first games, the the NES stuff, and. Um, so yeah, like especially with, with some of the weapons in the games are are like they're really fast. They're not particularly powerful, but like you can you can just pepper enemies with hits. Um, so that always felt a little bit easier for me. And um, it's from the development side of things. Um, Igarashi did a, a talk at GDC in 2014 where he talked about resolution and going from the older games to the newer stuff. And how like that was one of the reasons they didn't have a Belmont in the game is because because they 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 had more resolution to work with on the PlayStation versus the older stuff that like then from what you were saying, Austin, like how it's nice that like the whips have such a range, it would be too much of a range. Like if they upped everything um, resolution wise, pixel wise, then a Belmont with a whip would take up like two thirds of the screen and that would just make (laughs) things unfair so I kind of like Castlevania 4. Uh. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Where you just have command of the whole playfield. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Alucard, he moves pretty well. He moves very quickly. And, and like being able to change the angle of your jump plus the the amount of attacks, it, it always seemed a little bit easier to me.
0: Yeah. Belmont has uh, people have uh, many people before us uh, have said, you know, you have to commit. To all your jumps uh, in Castlevania. There, there, There's something, once you play them, especially the three NES games, uh, and to a certain extent, uh, the other ones um, that came before this, you really have to commit to your jumps. Um, there is no going back on them. And oftentimes that is the crux. Um, so I thought this was a good change of pace. Um, uh, and and also yeah the the different weapon types and whatnot uh were useful although and i don 't know if this is a common way to play. I always fell back on the lighter, stronger weapons um I, I felt much more comfortable bouncing around using alley cards uh better mobility um I never got as good at the dash as I wanted to be the back dash um but I was able so to really, utilize it
1: unless you're unless you 're speed running the game with like the the shield dash stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really worth it to be honest with you. Like here, you can move fast enough on your own that you don't need to necessarily backdash out of danger. And I, I agree. Like I've always played the game with like strong one handed weapons, like swords and stuff like that. Um, so it's, yeah. I mean, but that's another good thing about the game too, is that it's super versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. this is where the, the RPG side of things kind of crept in and that like, um, there are short swords, there are swords, there are blunt weapons, and certain enemies are, are weaker against blunt attacks than, than cutting damage. There are two-handed swords. So there's a lot of different stuff um, and a lot of, like, elemental damage and stuff like that kind of also lends to RPG elements, too. But um, you can really sort of play – in, a, in a lot of different play styles depending on what you're interested in doing. Like you can go very pro magic if you want to, like the a first time player would never ever do this, but like there are items that you can farm in the game that really kind of like pump up your intelligence stat. And if you're, you're good with the magic spells and stuff like that, you can play as basically a wizard carte through the game if you want to. So there's, it's, it's just really open to a, a curious player to kind of figure out all these different ways to play the game.
0: Right. Uh Austin, what's your uh what's your preferred play style?
2: I was always whatever weapon was the strongest and the newest. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Like it.
0: Nice. That's yeah, that's a and that's that was always an interesting way to play. I was I was so boring. Like uh I uh I for for unknown reasons I captured my playthrough. I'm probably not gonna post it up just because people have done it a lot better and it's a lot of editing. Um John may know a thing or two about that. But um Ugh. <laughs> but uh but i keep watching i would keep going back and taking a quick look at the dailies just kind of jumping through them and it's hilarious how i pretty much used the same weapon through like 60 percent of the first castle and it was just like i'd get new weapons and i'd look at it kill a couple enemies with it and then just immediately switch back <laughs> so um i i, I but was you very you can't do that
1: and that's part of what makes it awesome like you can yeah. you can do that if you want and it still works
0: yeah, I've also heard of the luck run. I think Jeremy Parrish recently talked about that, where you can just boost your luck like crazy. Um, I think they call it the naked run as well, uh, and and just uh, you know just crit like almost every time. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's okay. Here's another thing with the game that like like earlier Castlevania games, you put in like you name your save file before you start, and once you have a cleared save file on your memory card. Um, you can do like Richter mode, play the entire game as Richter Belmont, as we sort of mentioned earlier, but you can also um, start with um, some kind of gag armor, the axe armor, which is essentially worthless. Um, I'm sure somebody is going to post in your comments how wrong I am about that, but um, <laughs> there's also a way to to basically um, just wimp down all of Alucard's stats, except for his luck stat, which boosts it to its... its Capped maximum, but also give you an item which which pumps it up by another thirty points. Which means you're not really doing a lot of raw damage, but like the amount of cr- like the the um, the rate of critical attacks is just through the roof. So as long as you're still attacking something, you're probably going to kill it ultimately faster than you would in like a normal run of the game. Mm-hmm. But it also means that you can farm items and weapons from enemies a lot easier. Right. So if if you know what you're doing, you know what you're looking for, kind of thing. If you know if X enemy has a weapon that you want, you can just kind of plop down and and kill them for for 15 minutes or so, get what you want, and then just steamroll the rest of the game.
0: <laughs> yes, and I actually <laughs> noticed that there was a uh, I think it's in the inverted castle. There's a, uh, a a a pendant or I think it's a bracelet you get that increases your chance of rare drops. Mm-hmm, right, and then yeah, farming was a a fun little endeavor when I, I decided i wanted something um and, and i i only toyed with it a little bit but uh but yeah it was interesting it was really interesting as i would like find an, an item in a corner room and then leave and then fight a bunch of enemies around there and then get the same item as a drop i was like oh okay um, <laughs> now i have two <laughs> so so yeah um But, uh, but yeah, and, and, and again, the, like you were saying, Austin, I don't remember if you said this on air or not, but the game basically has somewhat of a linear path, but at the end of the day, you're really just kind of traversing the castle and getting as far as you can, um, before you eventually do get gated by a couple of things. And I'd say the, the two big ones are the bat familiar and the, um, mist familiar, um, I had a hell of a time finding these. And I think the mist Familiar is the first one you have to find. And you have to find it in the catacombs. Um, did you guys have an issue finding the catacombs your first time through? Or is that a common thing? Or is that just me? I, I feel like it's kind of common, but I don't know.
2: Austin, what do you think? Um, I'd say for me, like, sort the exploration in this game is pretty difficult to you really need to pay attention to what you're doing in order to get through the game. There's cause this was my second time playing through the game. And there were times when I was just like, I literally have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and <laughs> it was, I had completed it before. So I had to look up a few things. Um, I remember getting just like confused the first time through uh, after you get the library, And you kind of go up that path a little bit and you get the wolf skill. Mm -hmm. And then there is that big open room over to the left where the bridges break and everything. And you're supposed to have the double jump by then to be able to get across it. (laughs) I don't know why, but each time that I played through, I thought, oh, you have to be the wolf. And you have to dash and just time it really well to get to the other side. And so I spent, like, two hours doing that each time. And then once you (laughs) get to the other side, you need a double jump to get through. And I was like, this is great. (laughs) So there's a lot of those moments for me in the game. Um, Once I kind of, like, had the bearing of what to do, I think the big kind of block in the beginning is getting the... What is the ability you buy from the librarian to open the blue doors?
0: Yeah, it's the magical seal or whatever.
2: The jewel of open. There you Uh, go. (laughs) Jewel of open, yes.
1: The most on-the-nose jewel of open. (laughs) The most
0: cryptic (laughs) item in Castlevania
2: lore. (laughs) So it was like I knew to buy it once I got there, but then I was like, where were these doors? I remember seeing them, but I did not make note of where they were, and so I had a heck of a time. Trying to get back there and
1: getting through those. Oh, see, Austin, so wait a second. Wait, yeah, you, you used the the wolf to jump the crumbling bridges into the clock tower? Yes. Both times worked? I played through this game. Yes. It works no very way. well. What? Yeah. Uh, woof. I've never, I never knew that. I never tried that myself. Wait, there's yeah, a use don't. for the wolf? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> see that's but that makes sense because like they give you the wolf you can find the the form of wolf before going into the clock tower so i guess you would naturally assume that that's what you use it for yeah Mm -hmm.
2: and, and that's totally what i thought i was like hey why what else would they put this wolf in the game um here's this part where you can get through using the wolf you just have to jump at specific times and it's really difficult and you should not try it wow.
1: but it never occurred to me
0: <laughs> you know i did try it and i uh i i was not able to get beyond i think it was the second bridge uh but isn't it like if you screw up like that's it like you fall down yep. and then you got to you got to do One it shot. with the double jump yeah
2: <laughs> yes so i just i was like oh i got to do this again let's get to the other side and then of course, right when you get over the first platform of the clock tower, you can't reach. And it's like, well, <laughs> that was a good time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Videotape just to prove you did it, though. Um, you know I'm going to go try this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you that his story holds water. Not that we didn't believe you, Austin, but there is a speedrunner who has a video of himself doing it. Uh, apparently, yes, uh, in speedruns, you have to master that uh, uh, to get across it faster. Um, you do. I think you still need to have the double jump again, like you said for the clock tower. But uh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, speedrunners use the form of wolf. I only really use the form of wolf to uh, get across screens real fast. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> and to all. unlock the elevator, I think it does that too. <laughs> yes. But um, but yeah, I. Uh, uh, so so John, like yeah. Wh- Whoa, and one other thing I want to say is when you get the uh, the. What is it? The 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 gem of opening or, um,
1: the jewel of open. The
0: jewel of open. Yes. Uh, when you get that, the Austin. The way I usually found one thing is uh, old gamers uh, have notebooks by them, so I'd always written down some of my <laughs> dead ends. Uh, but the other thing was I would just look on the map for anywhere where I clearly was stopped. Like it'll tell you, oh, there's a door here, but you didn't go through it.
1: Um, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. yeah that helps you a
0: little
2: bit yeah i definitely did that too and that's kind of like my normal progression through the igovania sort of games it's like oh here is one door that is kind of open that's must that's where i must go but with the jewel of open since those were not really like a finished hallway or they didn't have like the little door symbol on them Mm -hmm. that's why i kind of had trouble with those i was like wait where was i supposed to be but...
0: No, it it makes sense, and it doesn't tell you, like, it's many things in this game. Nothing's really explained to you, Um, but it's, you can figure it out, but you do rack your head around it. Um, I should point out, my first playthrough of this game, uh, which I just did, uh, I did do everything, but the clock in the game was at about twelve hours, and I feel pretty confident I spent a lot more than twelve hours with this game, <laughs> so uh, I did not use a guide for anything other than I did finally get pissed off and this is the spot I always get stuck at and John, I wanted your take on this, which is i never i was all i could never find the catacombs, and therefore it- it kind of gates you in the game. you get stuck where you can't go any further uh, until you have the form of mist um because you basically needed to get the form of bat,
1: and yeah, the game is really like if you're I would have not known this until I was making these videos, and i I, I have to be honest, I've probably played this game like maybe twenty five times all the way through, probably more than that for what I've been doing lately, but like fair enough, like the game really does give you subtle hints, but if you're if you're just enjoying it for the ride, you would never know this stuff is happening in the background, so like um what what you were saying, Fred, that like you, you have to get the, the double jump and then um, there aren't a whole lot of places in the game that you can jub- double jump to. You can, you can go through the clock tower if you want, but at the clock tower is really, honestly, it's a totally optional area of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you ultimately have to do is go back to this clock room where you first meet Maria. So in the conversation that you have with Maria, and the, the top of the clock room has two angel statues and um, one will always open after after one minute and then close after one minute on the PlayStation's clock. Right. Mm-hmm. And the way you're supposed to know this is that during the conversation with Maria, the ones the the one angel statue will always either open or close. Right. It doesn't matter what. And, and that basically sets the timer on the clock is, is when you meet Maria. Um, and for some reason, you're just supposed to remember this is happening. So you get the double jump and you you're, you kind of noodle your way through the castle and you're like, oh yeah, that statue once moved that one time. So yeah, it's, it's very obtuse. Um, <laughs> I, but <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, well, it's really funny how it
0: happened. So uh, here's how I did it. You know, I was trying not to get spoilers, but trying to Google the solution. So I was like, where is Form of Mist? I knew that was what I needed next. And uh, because Form of Bat had a Form of Mist block on it. So I said, where is Form of Mist? And they were like, and, and people were like, in the catacombs, of course. So I was like, okay, I've never seen the catacombs. I had a list of all the places I'd gone in my little notebook, and the catacombs had never shown up on my screen. So I was like, okay, well, where's that? And of course, People get confused when you, especially in message boards, Uh, good luck Googling a lot of Symphony of the Night stuff because it's, it's a mess of, uh, you know, your elitist Symphony of the Night players who played it (laughs) 600 times being all cocky to the people who are lost the first time. And... You know, I wait, but, you know, there's a lot of people who like the moment they get into the game, they're like, "Okay, somebody tell me how to walk through this game, you know, and that's just kind of like part of gamers today. And so you'd get in there where it'd be like, oh, you don't know where the catacombs are? Well, they're in the clock. And they're like, well, I've been up and down the clock tower, not the clock tower, the clock. So what I did was I went to the clock room. And I was standing there, and I knew something was supposed to happen, but I didn't know. You know, I hadn't had anything happen. And while I'm googling, the minute hits and the statue moves, and I just put. And you're like, oh, I put my okay. phone down, and I was like, oh, okay. And I jump up, and the catacombs are born. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, okay, okay. And the game, the game really does open up to its second half, and uh, kind of explains itself. I would say from that point moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's a big aha moment. Mm-hmm. Like once you once you make your way into into that little alcove where th- where you're going is actually the Colosseum, not the, cal- the catacombs. My so, mistake.
0: My mistake. There you go.
1: Yeah, don't let that happen again. Right. Right. Um, so, <laughs> once you <laughs> once you get in there, um really like you, you can see the form of mist, it's almost from the beginning and like you you sort of worm your way back around to, to get it after a boss fight and stuff like that. But that really sort of like starts to break the mystery of the game up a little bit. Like, okay, I can get this and now I can go through these, these doors and you yourself had already found it in the library. Like there's one of these missed doors and past that is the form of bat. And then at that point, really all of your, all of your traveling trouble is, is basically finished. So you can do almost whatever you want whenever you want from from that point going forward so it's a matter of um the reward for that is going back to previous sections of the game and saying okay now i can get up here now i can open this door and there's there's other stuff that kind of gates you off um but yeah that's that's part of the fun of what i mean that's what makes these games great right is that like mm-hmm. you you get new abilities and you can go back to old areas and, and sort of uncover and, and remap things that you didn't didn't know were there before
0: it also taught me one thing that was very important which is that clock room is probably important on both castles <laughs> um, right <laughs> and, and it does so then I was like okay well I need to I need to know how to get into the middle area and I need to know how to get into the upper area which is kind of how you unlock the glasses to let you get to the inverted castle so like you know that part was a thing I looked up not where it was but I knew that wearing both rings in the clock was the goal and so i had to find the rings. The rings were pretty easy to find um outside of the yeah, you just basically have to explore everything to get that what's it called the the spike breaker armor.
1: Yeah, the armor, right.
0: But mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah, so that that led me to understand that everything was important. I really couldn't figure out how to open the other statue though, and then eventually i think again it was by accident i was trying to whip upwards to see if i could break the wall and I accidentally activated the clock and then the thing opened like the stopwatch because I happen to have mm-hmm. it because there's stopwatches all over that area and to jump up there, and just get the Alu cart armor, which is this <laughs> kind of nerfed armor set was was also like, mm, OK, Um, thanks. <laughs> Glad I figured this out.
1: <laughs> um, it's pretty anticlimactic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Apparently, they were supposed to have some really strong armor, but then they made it easier to get up into that area, and they knew they had to nerf the armor. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, but um, I don't know. Uh, this first castle, one thing I definitely want to bring up was to me, it, stru- it struck me as quite quite easy. Um, in the grand scheme, especially compared to other Castlevania games, um, especially the boss battles. I never really found myself uh, kind of in, a, in much of a corner with any of the boss battles in this game. Do, do either of you want to speak to that on the first castle? Let, let me say outside of the Richter fight. Um, we'll 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 kind of discuss that in a minute as we talk about the inverted castle but um i mean what did you guys think did you find this the the bosses and basically the game itself to be relatively easy on the main castle?
1: Austin, what do you think?
2: Um i would agree with that. I think out of like the Igavania games that i've played Symphony of the Night is definitely on the easier side of them. Uh, a lot of the enemies that you fight, just the generic enemies, have pretty limited movesets uh, compared to what they get later. I know there's a few enemies, like there's the robot one that has like the rotating blades and the machine gun. So there's kind of those enemies that come at you and are pretty daunting, but for the most part, it's you know enemies that just kind of walk toward you. I think, <laughs> or have, like, a pretty limited, like, the boomerang skeletons or just the mm. crossbone bone skeletons uh, can take out in a few hits. So for the most part, I think in that sense it's kind of easy, whereas the general enemies you fight aren't too bad. And then I will say the bosses in general. Uh, in this game, they're a lot easier than they are later in the series. Uh, I mean, most of the bosses that you fight in this game you can beat in well under a minute without having to learn any patterns or be really any good at fighting them.
0: <laughs> very, very distinct from Rondo. When you start seeing the Rondo of blood bosses uh, come in, even as enemies, the werewolf as a, as its own enemy and stuff, you're like, Oh man, is this going to be like that werewolf fight? No, no, it is not going to be like that. It's yeah. Just, you just hammer on him and and you're pretty good.
2: <laughs> yeah. So like I, you know, I actually had to look up a boss fight list just now to remember some of the bosses that were in this game. There are a lot of them, but <sighs> yeah. Was, in terms of the first castle, the only one I remember really having trouble with was the Skyla, which is the the sea monster beast in the underground cavern with like the worm stuff.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
2: uh, that one's kind of hard to hit, but other than that, everything is pretty straightforward, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I had I an axe for her. If you have a ton of hearts and an axe, uh, Skyla was the one of the last bosses I took on in in this. I I was just kind of clearing up the map before I went to Richter, um, and mm. yeah, I I didn't have problems with that, but I could see where she would be problematic, especially if you hit her early into it or don't have an axe.
1: <laughs> well, you can get to her pretty early. So like wh- like right after you get the Jewel of Open, you can you can go fight the Skyla and. And it is a pretty tough fight early on, but I I think for the most part the, the early the early bosses really aren't that rough. I agree with, with you, Austin. Um I think some of the, the if you you don't know what you're getting into with some of the later bosses like Gallimoth and um, uh uh-huh. Be- uh-huh. Beelzebub <laughs> in the uh-huh. castle. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if you really don't if you're not prepared for fights like that, it's 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 a really one sided affair. So
0: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: They do get harder over time, I think Dracula at the end is kind of a joke, but yeah <laughs> um, but that's <laughs> yeah, we 'll well, we'll talk about him because I
0: actually uh I beat him, but i was i was uh, it was getting close <laughs> i 'll be yeah. honest yeah maybe i didn 't know some tricks but uh but yeah yeah that was an that was an interesting one but uh but yeah, the first castle bosses I found to be really easy one thing that uh, i I lucked into. Was um, was the Richter fight? But before we talk about the Richter fight, because I think that's a good like lead into the inverted castle. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to discuss about the main castle before we move into the inverted castle?
1: Is there anything the we missed?
0: Game,
1: the game is is honestly really good. Kind of what we mentioned earlier is really good about sort of nudging you along. A, a prescribed path if you're paying attention it's weirdly very much like demon souls and dark souls in this respect and so everyone can drink i would mentioned yep. it once so <laughs> um so like if if you're looking at the the items and the weapons that you're picking up within the areas that you're in well um, oh, a good example of this is like when you go and when you actually find your way down into the catacombs for the first time which is the lowest the lowest spot in the castle um the catacombs is split in half so on the left side of the map is is a boss legion and after you kill it you're going to get um a dark elemental sword which is better than another dark elemental sword that you found but there's really if you've mapped everywhere else in the castle up to this point you would think okay i take this weapon i go back to the top and i kill richter belmont with it because this is richter's one of the few enemies in the game that's that's um, susceptible to dark damage. Mm-hmm. Or you go to the other side of of the of the catacombs, the, the right side of the map, and that's where you get the spike breaker armor. So like on the one half, it's like, okay, this is how I finish this section of the game if I don't know any better. And the other half is like, no, this is how you actually finish mapping everything in the game, the first half of the game, so you can you can get to that second part. So it's it's subtle in it's really really subtle in a lot of places but like um the designers were really clever with like okay you can get this and now you can go here or like you get the jewel of open from the library and you can go right into the first warp room which takes mm-hmm. you back to the entrance of the castle which is where um close to where one of the blue doors is that you actually use it so it's right it's it's not super explicit which is part of what makes it cool but um that that is a, a neat trick that a lot of people I think don't give this game a lot of credit for. Um, that certainly goes out the window when the the second when you get into the second castle because like you don't need any of that junk to, to move around. You've already you can already fly. So what's the difference? <laughs> right. um, but yeah, it's 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 a neat game in that like it's built in a, a much more explicit way than I think a lot of people remember or give it credit for.
0: Well, and that's the one. The one thing is the one thing that I don't benefit from playing this. You know, now is definitely the fact that um, uh, that I knew the inverted castle existed. And I knew uh, my wife was asking me this because she kind of glanced over my shoulder while I was playing. Uh, She came in to say goodnight and stuff. And she was like, why are you avoiding that spot at the top? And I said, because I know that goes to Richter, who is the last boss of the main castle. And she goes, how do you just know that? And I said, (laughs) and again, it's weird, kind of like John's talking about the subtleties I did pick up on versus the subtleties I didn't pick up on because... As you go up there, it's kind of the broken staircase you take at the beginning of the game as Richter to fight Dracula. And I was like, so that's naturally where he's going to be again. And I didn't go there until the end, until I was ready to move on to the next castle. And lo and behold, wow, that was exactly what it was. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. And I could have seen myself beating that game and getting the bad ending, um, and and having to start this over, not knowing that there was a whole other castle to it. And so that is the one thing that I do lack is that I'm betting that's most people's experience the first time they play that game, uh, or at least back in the day. And I, I, I didn't have that because I went into it knowing there's an inverted castle, um, which I actually learned from buying the game on 360. When I bought it on 360, there is a... Uh, there's a achievement for getting the two per- hundred and six the two hundred point six percent. And I was like, Huh, what's that? And they're like, Well, the inverted castle, and bam, I just spoiled it for myself.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's such a well known thing at this point that like I mean, yeah. the cat's been out of the bag for a long time. It's like I don't know, what's a good way to Compare this, but it's like watching Fight Club. Most people know the twist at the end of Fight Club or the game, or right. Um, the,
0: the older references that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's dad, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean, like that's it's <laughs> one what, of what? the more famous <laughs> twists in video game history, right? So,
0: right, yes. It's,
1: <laughs> don't blame yourself for already knowing <laughs> something like this was coming,
0: right? And so I did have to to hunt that down, but again, um, the spike breaker armor, especially you need Echo of Bat to get through that needle room you were talking about, um, right? That is probably the biggest headache, um, of just like, even when you know where it is and I didn't know specifically where it is. I just knew that I needed Echo of Bat before I should go get it. Um, you know, that again, a couple piecing together a couple parts of this, it's just like, wow, I never would have done this on my own. I, you know, without looking it up, I, I would not have, have figured this out. I would have gotten stuck in that room and never known why. Um, and kind of like Austin talks about with the wolf, what I probably would have done was what I did the first time, which was just try to fly through as the bat, and then when I take form of mist, I get hurt, and then I die. Um,
1: <laughs> but I sure would have tried it. <laughs> so. Which is cool in that, like, the game is trying to encourage you to try it, because it is very puzzly after a fashion, like... Like, how do you get into that room in the clock in, in the clock room, that lower room that you get the glasses like the in-game description of the two rings that you need to do that? That's not the way it actually happens. Right. So you you have to do some you got to do a little bit of experimenting and kind of fiddling around to figure it out, which is which is cool. But yeah, I don't really blame anybody at all for having to look that stuff up. I know for a fact that I did the first time I did it when I was 17. So. Right. Well, you can't, <laughs> just the you, way it happens.
0: You can't accidentally sell those rings, right? I was always wondering if no. the librarian could be a dick and buy those from you. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure no. I okay. haven't looked in a while. Uh,
2: no, in this game you can only sell jewels. You can't sell any like items or accessories. Right,
0: right. right. I was just wondering if he would buy the silver and gold rings just because they kind of dance the line. Uh, you know, uh, It would be really mean and we would – you know, I'll just like attack it for that and then move on if they had done it, but it's one of those that's interesting like, decisions.
1: It's <laughs> like Sierra PC adventure game baloney.
0: Yeah, I suddenly uh, yeah, I suddenly remembered King's Quest 5 and kind of shuddered. Uh but um
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but but yeah, so um well, if we're, if we're cool with this, yeah, we can go into the Richter battle and then uh the the inverted castle if everybody's cool to move on. Mhm.
1: Uh but maybe yeah, ba- so.
0: Yeah, basically you get the silver and gold rings. Uh, gold ring is pretty easy to find. Silver ring is through the, the spike breaker area. Um, and uh, and then you wear them both in the clock tower. The ceiling opens up. You fly up there, and uh, that's where you find the... I forget what kind of glasses they are. Is it the...
1: It's in the clock room in yeah. the middle of the castle. Yeah, and it's um, called the you,
0: something glasses.
1: Yeah, you get the holy, glasses. You holy get, you, glasses. It's another run-in with Maria, who's kind of the... the Greek chorus of this game. Yes. And um so she tells you that, you know, Richter's been possessed or something like that. So she gives you the holy glasses um to try to figure out how to unpossess him, I suppose. Mm. And in this instance in the um the the PSP version on Dracula X Chronicles, this is actually a fight with Maria. For absolutely no reason. <laughs> huh,
0: like, interesting. Like
1: they don't yeah, they I, I can't remember what the setup actually is, but it's like, hey Alicard, it's great to see you again. Oh, you're Maria. I've I've been running into you. Let's fight. Like it just <laughs> it's totally out of left field. Well, because but,
0: video games, man.
1: <laughs> right. Right
0: but yeah that's
1: just a, you know when i run into you on the street i want to punch you in the mouth so <laughs>
0: it's just how it happens. again they had watched fight club the night before it just seemed like the thing to do we need to add a boss right. fight we need to put something on the box um but uh but but yes so well i didn't play that version so so i need to go back and and check that um but I, and I've never fought Richter by himself, uh, but obviously if you have the glasses on, you see Shaft floating around uh, in, in kind of the background as like a little ball. Um, and I'll let you guys talk about the fight in a sec, but for me, I, it was weird because I had full hearts like uh, that I could have for the time. I want to say it was 190-something. And um, I had the cross, and I had never had it before. I think you get it right before you head up there. And I use it right at the beginning of the boss battle. And I wonder if, because I was hurting Richter, but I didn't realize I was hurting Richter. Like I didn't I, I didn't know what those crazy 3D animations on the screen were really doing. But I was just close enough to Shaft trying to hit him that I accidentally killed him before I killed Richter and was able to unlock the inverted castle. But is it possible to just lambast Richter and then that's it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I I snuck my way into what I've been told is not the easiest boss battle, uh, and, and, and just managed to nail it first time based off of luck. No <laughs> skill. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, no skill.
2: Well, I think you kind of did it the right way, because Richter himself is actually resistant to holy attacks in this game, so... If you use the cross against him, you actually can't hurt him. You can only hurt Shaft.
0: Aha, okay, so then I guess I did do okay. All right.
2: Yes, so I learned that mistake by because I wanted to get the other ending of the game just to see what it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Richter is a really good boss fight in this game. He has a lot of moves, and he's pretty difficult to fight. So me just normally fighting him without the glasses, I made the mistake of using the cross against him. You, you have like 100 hearts. You're like, all right, this is it. I'm going to take him down, and then he
1: resists all damage. And, <laughs> and
0: totally you're out of hearts. You. Yep. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, he's, he's a tough cookie in this game actually like what we were saying earlier about all those early bosses is being kind of pushovers like once you hit Richter that that stops right there
0: And that's what most have said I'm, I'm watching a video right now of the Richter fight yeah and wow uh, yeah he is I didn't see any of this man <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah he'll throw he'll throw it all at you man it's, it's ugly I stuff
0: need, yeah i need to go back and check that uh just for that fight alone it's funny right uh it, again it's the early form of what would be dark souls fans later it's like oh that looks really hard i think i want to go back and figure that one out um <laughs> uh and and i i am traditionally you know i'm starting to become a dark souls fan but i haven't yet um uh john you don't know this about me yet but i've i'm demon souls bloodborne and then recently got back into it because i got a review copy of uh the uh, i'm blanking on it the the new one by t uh by deck 13 um uh, but oh, anyway the surge the surge yes yeah uh, which I, I very foolishly had only played the first two areas for, and was like uh, the first two like main boss fights. Uh, it's kind of like the first third of the game, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this game's not that hard." And then, oh, uh, but um, but anyway, Surprise. yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah. So, does somebody want to tell us what the uh, tell me what the bad end is? So, if you take out Richter here, what happens?
1: I mean, you, you get out of the castle and you have this conversation with, or no, like it's it's Alucard just kind of lamenting what happened. Like this, th- these were terrible events and I wish it didn't have to go down this way, but so be it. Now I'm just going to go back to sleep and that's kind of it.
0: Huh. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah,
2: it's pretty anticlimactic. It kind of like hints that this was totally not the right thing to do and you need to go back and figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It doesn't like yell at you or anything. It does, Doesn't give you a lecture that you screwed up, but um, yeah,
0: but <laughs> hey, you, you do Dick. feel like
1: there is something that you should have done someplace else.
0: Yeah so it kind of leaves you hanging in in about a, a I would say appropriate for the time period uh, mm-hmm. of, of games um Mm -hmm.
1: so it's a downer it is like man this this was awful this shouldn't have happened this way oh well (laughs) well and especially (laughs) if
0: you've beaten rondo of blood to find out this is the culmination of your your (laughs) of your your protagonist uh years of
1: sacrifice yeah
0: yeah to to die in this very horrible way and then um and then alucard just goes to sleep you're like ugh. <laughs> after the kind <laughs> wah, wah, wah,
1: wah. of well he's kind of a
0: throwaway protagonist in three, so to have him uh you know really kind of become badass in this one was uh yeah seemed seemed unfortunate so uh john when you if you got the bad end the first time when you were you know younger and played this for the first time were you' just like well fuck or did, were you was it pretty clear that you had to go back and do something else
1: uh, okay, so my <laughs> so when this game came out and i'm We're jumping ahead a little bit. Um, Like, the media, the the nascent games media at the time were all over this game, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. I was reading Game Fan. I was reading EGM. I was a very early adopter of the PS1. So I kind of wound up with, like, free subscriptions to, like, PSM and, and this other stuff. And they spoiled so much, like, right when the game came out. So, like, I knew for a fact that, if I did this, then, then something was wrong that I, I should, should have uncovered more stuff. So, um, oh, okay. I was kind of let down because I like, I thought I'd figured it out. Like I'm, I'm good at these things, right? I can figure this out. And no, that not even close. So <laughs> I, um, the good thing with this game is that even after you finish it, I mean, you can just start from, from your last save, even though you've got a cleared save file you can just start from that last save and pick up from where you left off. As long as you just don't go fight Richter again, you can go scurry about the castle and do whatever else you want.
0: Right. So I noticed that's, that. that's how yeah. I,
1: yeah, that's how I kind of clean things up.
0: Okay. Okay. So I guess I guess yeah, what you were saying about uh, what I was saying about you know not knowing about the second castle and stuff. I guess I guess it was doomed to be that way no matter what because of the uh, the games press, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> not necessarily dogging on them because they were just fascinated by this game. Um, you know, if you weren't reading magazines around that time, it was very common to have like you know certain uh, outlets, especially EGM and Game Fan, to just kind of descend upon a game and raise it up to this it's higher gosh over it. And yeah. the next thing you know you're buying Batman on the Genesis and you're like, what the fuck? No. But uh <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> Good music in that game. Great music in that game, actually. Sunsoft did good with the with the the uh, actually utilizing the Japanese chip, but um or the Japanese, the Genesis chip. Uh but uh but yeah, so um but if you do it the the right way and take out Shaft um you basically—he uh, runs off to a second castle <laughs> that descends mm-hmm. from the heavens, and uh, and uh, Richter and Maria kind of run off together, pretty much. Um, at least at this point yeah. in the game,
1: Alucard just tells him like, "Stay put. I'll take care of this kind of thing." Very sort of stoic, action movie like. Like, I got this. <laughs> and then wanders off. But by the way, I love that his name is Shaft. Uh huh. <laughs> Because why not? <laughs>
0: yeah, I never, I never really questioned it, but uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, you know, he's the dark priest of Dracula. You know, he he yeah, went he from is. fighting crime immediately into becoming Dracula's dark priest. You know,
1: well, when you know you're the black private dick, he's a sex machine with all the chicks. <laughs> what else do you do after that? <laughs>
0: you know, where do so, you go? So you you right. are forced. You are forced to indentured servitude of Dracula. Like I I think
1: that's saved New York. Uh, you know, the next step up from there is occult (laughs) demon worship from what I understand,
0: you know, canonically it makes sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think this all gets right there. This all get cleared up in the Netflix series. Um, you know, we'll 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 get this figured out.
1: Uh. Oh my God! If they ever make reference to this video game, <laughs> <Ugh>.
0: <laughs> I am curious as to what they're going to do with that. But I um, would
1: like squeal like a small child.
0: <laughs> you might. Uh, the trailer doesn't tell much, but uh, there's time. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So uh, and, and thus begins the inverted castle, which to me was finally a time where I. Um, was a little bit more fearful to enter rooms at this point. Um, it, it the the this second half is definitely more difficult uh, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I agree with
1: that. Yeah.
0: And you, you you try not to cheat and use the uh, the mist form to get through some of the more painstaking areas, especially I guess I would say the catacombs, which are now located at the top of the. Uh, um, the top of the, uh, the uh, screen, the castle now, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know, uh, somebody, somebody take over for the inverted castle as to how we kind of jump into it. Cause again, I was the noob who just got into it and I was like, okay, let's do this again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. Right. So like the, um, it's the exact same location. It's the same game. Just everything is literally flipped upside down. So, there are some weird visual hints as you play through the 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 first castle that that this might happen um you'll know them if you see them it's not really worth pointing them out but like um so you're you're basically running through the same environments but they replaced all of the enemies with new new stuff some of them are old bosses that you that just happen to be regular enemies now some of them are are brand new monsters um and we mentioned this earlier, but like you don't have to find any relics to help you move about the castle because at this point you can turn into the mist, so you can fly through grates, you can turn into the bats, so you can kind of fly around all the other environments and map whatever you want. So getting around isn't a problem, but getting through some of the foes is really the where the challenge is. So you find this out pretty quickly because like you start back in the keep, like where it flipped from where you killed Richter, and you can either go um you can go through the outer wall, you can go through the, the clock tower, or you can go back through the marble gallery and all of the enemies that you kind of run into early on, um, they're not screwing around. Like they don't take as much damage as you think, but they dish out a ton. So mm-hmm. like work, working your way through the outer wall, um, you'll, a good example of this is you'll find the Nova skeleton, which is a green skeleton <laughs> that shoots this kind of like beam of, of laser beam of, of some kind. Right. And that can, in your first time through, that can that one laser beam shot can one hit you, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you're not careful about what you're doing, you have to play a little bit more um i guess methodically getting through this stuff because you, like you can get you can get overwhelmed a lot easier in the second castle than the first castle.
0: Yes, yeah, so and Nick and I kind of talked about this while he was playing through it. He he mentioned Gallimoth, and I was like, "Who?" And he goes, "Uh, you'll you'll see,
1: <laughs> you'll uh, find out." <laughs> yeah,
0: don't worry about don't worry about him right now. But he was like, "Yeah, the you know, second castles, a decent amount harder." I found myself doing things I was ashamed of. So I I want to go on record and say that I almost never did the mist thing, um, unless I had gone a long way without saving. Um, I almost never did the mist and float to like a safe point, but I did frequently do the, all right, let's go tackle this castle, Boom! 600, da- or, well, not 600, but like 200 damage. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Let's go back and heal and uh, resave again. And then, okay, let's try this again. All right, back into it. <laughs> um, so I did find myself doing that a couple of times because, um, John, as you said, I actually navigated the outer wall in the clock tower, um, first, And, um, I don't think it was the green skeleton that took me out, but there are some enemies over there where, yeah, I just got, I just got rocked pretty quick and lost everything and had to start at the beginning of the inverted castle. And, you know, there's no better way of learning to save often. um, Yeah. Right. There's some shock to
1: that. Like, especially (laughs) once you, once you really get good at the, at the, the normal quote, normal game or whatever, like most of the normal enemies in the, in the regular castle are are really there. They're no sweat, especially close to the end. So you get to that new castle and you're like, wow, this is not what I was expecting. Um, so the twist with the inverted castle is that, and the game doesn't tell you this at all, but you were, you're supposed to run around and basically boss rush it. So there are the original five bosses from the first Castlevania game. Um, inside the inverted castle. So there's the, there's a giant bat. There's the Frankenstein's monster. There's, um, Medusa. There's, uh, death Mm -hmm. and the mummy. And And by the way,
0: my daughter thought that the Frankenstein was super hip. she, dug his style she was really yeah she was real <laughs> into frankenstein i don't know she's why so
1: goofy looking
0: <laughs> well yeah she's five uh so she's she, okay, well, okay. right up her aesthetic uh yeah and fine she gets a pass <laughs> this time <laughs> i'll teach her when she's older um, but uh but yeah
1: <laughs> well the, i mean he is kind of large and cartoony and most of the enemies in the game are not so i can i can see how yeah he doesn't really fit into the rest of the in my opinion, anyway, it doesn't really seem to fit in with the, the aesthetic of the rest of the enemies, but... I agree. Um, what do I know?
0: Well, these bosses also, if I might say, were pretty damn easy. Um, I never really figured Those out... Those ones are, yeah. Yeah, I never really figured out stone. Like, I've been turned to stone, but, um, uh, but I, didn't, uh, I didn't know really kind of what... Uh, like, what is the negative effects? Can you be shattered?
1: no you take more damage though so like if you're just sitting there in a stone state um i th- from I, i'm pretty sure that you would just take more damage and you'll die quicker but since you can break out of it easily enough it's what's the difference
0: okay Yeah, because that was the only time where I could see Medusa being a little harder, but her patterns are somewhat easy. Um, I was Mm -hmm. shocked, and again, this might have been... Now, I was on fire at this point. Death was the last of the original bosses I found. I was shocked to... uh, I did not take damage against Death. Um, But then again, I've kind of made a career out of fighting uh death uh and trying to be you know like i've gotten to a point where i can get through him in castlevania one which he's somewhat of a similar boss fight in this one he's definitely much easier but um i just found these these particular five bosses to be very easy when you get all the pieces of vlad basically
1: right so that's the other thing too like the one you kill these specific bosses you get um, parts of Dracula, which is a, a reference to Castlevania 2 because that's what you were doing in the the second NES game, was collecting all these, like mm-hmm. uh, it's like an eyeball, a heart, a fingernail, whatever. Um, the as you get these, though, they automatically boost stats for Alucard and also make him immune to certain things. So you can take these in in uh, not any order, but like you don't really. There's no linear way of doing this. So like you can get one of the pieces that gets gives Alucard I think invincibility to stone and fight Medusa and, and it's she's just a total pushover oh so, wow.
0: okay yeah I for you know I I realized yeah I I didn't have that yet but I had never um you know she was one of the first bosses I fought but you know I didn't get turned into stone after a while so yeah it's a good point
1: yeah <clears throat> and then once you collect them all um you don't have to finish mapping the second castle because you can go fight Dracula. Like once you've collected all these pieces, you go back to the clock room in the middle of the castle, <laughs> right. it opens up the secret passage and then then you can just go finish the game. But um the incentive to to map the rest of the castle is to get the best ending and which is totally there, there's no weird Adventure, gamey kind of way of doing it. It's just like if you map everything, you see the best ending, and that's that's kind of your reward. Um, but mapping the entirety of the castle means that you run into some really really hard bonus bosses. One of them, one of them is Galamoth, which is a super weird reference to um, Kid Dracula, which is
0: Akumaja <laughs> Special. Um, yeah,
1: right. It was an NES game in Japan. It was a Game Boy game in the United States. And Gallimoth was the last boss because you play as Alucard through that game. Right. And Gallimoth is the final boss. And um, you also, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. You also fight Beelzebub, which is this grotesque, giant, <laughs> like chained corpse. It's dropping... Um, like leeches or something on the ground you can barely see them but they'll poison you if you touch them but uh-huh. you can't hit them unless you're really aiming for them and he's also sending swarms of, of locusts after you to kill you and if you don't come prepared with like a good long range weapon or an axe for that fight it's really 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 hard even though like the monsters aren't necessarily doing that much damage to you it's it's do you yeah, know how I so... ended up
0: I died on him four times I ended up finishing him off by, uh, I took out all the, the limbs and pieces I could. Then I went to mist form, undid mist form right after all the locusts left and then smacked him in the skull, uh, on my you way repeated down. the process. Uh, it only took three, so I must've knocked okay. him down pretty good, but I came with a bunch of hearts and an ax. So again, uh, I did a lot of the hard work on the, on the ground. Um, but it's, a, that was a, bitch of a boss battle it wasn't particularly hard it was just one of those things where it's like you know what you have to do but then you have to do it
1: yeah right because you can't just jump at its head because the locusts will push you out of the way so you've got a little hint of the
0: early castlevania games actually (laughs) yeah
1: so you've either got to have like really well-timed jumps or you have to figure out another way to get inside which is part of the it was it's it's a great boss fight, actually
0: yeah um uh Austin, did you uh, any any comments on the uh, the Beelzebub fight? Anything you want to add? Uh, I totally cheesed this one.
2: Um, <laughs> you use the cross twice, and you do mist form, and he dies. Took huh. me twenty seconds. Okay. Like it.
0: Did you do like poison <laughs> mist form? <laughs> um, I actually
2: did have poison mist form by then, so huh. I was able to do that. Um, my path through the castle was pretty bad. I went through the outer wall. And kind of looped around and immediately went to the upper catacombs because I remembered Gallimoth and I wanted to fight Gallimoth because I think he's one of the best bosses in Castlevania, hands down. And Uh I totally creamed the floor with or I destroyed Gallimoth my first try, which was really weird. But so, yeah, so at that point, you're just super overpowered once you get that poison mist.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because I you were talking about how that poison mist from Galamoth is like very useful, but I didn't get to Galamoth until I was ready for Dracula. Um, so uh, okay. should, we right okay. <laughs> should we talk about the Galamoth fight? Okay, should we talk about the Galamoth fight?
1: I think talking about the Galamoth fight is, is a good segue into how you can just basically obliterate the game and the different ways that you can do it. Okay. Because fighting Galamoth essentially naked like just you your weapons and your armor it's it's pretty hard so Mm -hmm. he's he's like two or three screen sizes tall if you get too close he'll kick you and push you back um he's also sending like balls of lightning at you like three or four at a time and they come very slowly um and then he'll put up his mace or whatever and just kind of like rain lightning upon the whole playfield, right? And you can't. There's no way to, to to just spatially avoid that as you normally would. Um, so the question is like how how to kill something like this because it, it's also a major hit point sponge. It's it's just it's an ocean yes. of, of damage. Um, so which is this is part of one of the fun parts of the fun things about the game is that like. With some, this kind of enemy, there, there are actually several different ways that you can get into it and have, like, a good straight-up fight with it, or you can just, like, just tear it in half. So um, you can fight him straight up, and it's a very, very long fight if you do it that way. And, and probably the only way to avoid the, the shower of lightning is to turn into the mist and then just kind of avoid the balls of lightning as they come, get in a couple of hits, and run around, whatever. I got into the um, mist
0: and uh, stood between his legs— um, yep. I should point out I had the Card armor, though, which makes you resistant to lightning and just ridiculously reduces the amount of damage. I think you take, like, I don't remember, like between 60 and 80 points every time it touches you unless you're resistant to it.
1: Yeah, it's the best armor in the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't make you immune, so you can still get hit, right? Yeah. Oh, no, you um, take
0: damage. I had to heal myself a few times in this fight, mm-hmm. but I basically stayed between his legs. Um, but
1: there's there's another here's there's a few different ways to do this. So like you can get a headpiece called the barrel circlet, which makes you heal from lightning damage. So it almost <laughs> makes you it almost it it's unfair. OK, um, you can the way I originally did this when I was a kid is that I, there are several weapons in the game that if you play it like a fighting game, you do fireball motions with the controller or sonic boom motions with the controller, there are special attacks to these weapons. Um, of course, the game doesn't tell you this. You have to sort of experiment on your own. Yeah,
0: I have um, no idea.
1: So, yeah, the a la carte sword, um, it has like a teleport strike where it just kind of sends you across the room and you, and you take two shots and then you come back to your original starting space. There's a couple of different weapons that have have a property like that, so I just got quick on the draw, and I would just continuously do this fireball motion. So like it was like playing a fighting game. It was like a one frame link. So like every time I would land, I would immediately have have another teleport strike buffered and ready to go, and I would just just basically tank it that way. Huh. Um, the 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 most popular way of of essentially shattering the game anyway is that and I have a, there's a funny YouTube video about this. So if you get the shield rod, um, something you find in the Coliseum in the first castle, the shield rod is, is unique in that like it's, it's a strong enough blunt weapon on its own. A sonic boom motion will send out, um, like Gradius like shields. Yes. To deflect, um, uh, projectiles. Right. But depending on what shield you've got equipped in the other hand, if you hit both attack buttons at the same time, you'll have some sort of magical effect. So, so with this, this is getting way longer than it needs to be. No, I'm sorry, it's fine. Like, no, no, no.
0: So like, this is why we had you on.
1: <laughs> so you get the, um, the card shield and you have the shield rod. It, it turns you into like basically a walking death tank. So you, you can hold the shield up, and um you'll always do do 255 damage to whatever the shield touches and it heals you at the same time it also makes you immune to damage (laughs) it's straight up unfair so like you can do this and just walk into galamoth's legs and it'll be over in in like eight seconds um there's this awesome video of, of igarashi playing with this is a couple of years ago, like right when he, he announced Bloodstain, he was kind of doing yes. this big press push, right? Um, so he there's this really famous speedrunner named Rom Scout, and he sat down with this guy that cause Rom Scout can just like rip the fabric of the game in half with the way he plays it. <laughs> so he's like, I programmed this game, I want to know what you're doing here. And so like they're going through it and they're doing all this stuff about how to get outside of the castle and other nonsense. And and they're like, Wait, you you know about the Alucard shield, right? He's like, "What do you mean?" And Hiroshi's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Wait, you have to see this," <laughs> and even he didn't know that like that stuff was in the game. So like, he's like, "Some of the other programmers must have threw that in there." I have no idea. But <laughs> yeah, so what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh Go no, ahead.
0: no. Well, Iga came in. We kind of talked about this earlier, but Iga came in halfway through. He's often, you know, kind of attributed to being the creator of this, but he's he definitely wasn't alone, and he wasn't the first person on the project, as we talked about. Um, and so when he came in, yeah, there's a lot of programming that had already been done and other work. And it was my understanding that it wasn't like straight fifty-fifty. It wasn't like, oh, okay, well, you just start working on the inverted castle. So yeah, there there are some interesting moments like that where Iga just gets lambasted by the fact that there are things in this game he doesn't
1: know about you know it's it's at the time I'm sure it was they the quality assurance standards that we have now did not exist back then so it was like we need to get this thing out of the out the door so as long as it works whatever so Mm -hmm. they I'm I'm pretty sure that he was around from the beginning of development but yeah you're right he wasn't the lead on it and Whoever, uh, whomever, other like chefs were in the kitchen, you know, (laughs) were like, "This will be fun. Let's just do this." And like he was like, "I don't care. As long as this game ships, it's fine." Um, Right. So that's a fun thing that you can do. Here's something I'm going to spoil my own videos later down the road. Is that like (laughs) you can you can skip the death encounter at the beginning of the game with the luck run. You can finagle things where like you blast through that room where you first meet death steals all of your original equipment so you wind up with all of the alucard stuff the alucard sword the the armor the shield so (laughs) this you can just bum rush your way into the coliseum get the shield rod and that's that's the game right there there's there's no other threats to you at that point
0: right right wow i bet um I've also seen one funny fight where um, it, I think this is also a luck run where a guy's just repeatedly punching Gallimoth in the face um, <laughs> for seventy-four damage a go. But Galamoth d- isn't prepared to deal with somebody who can just get up to his face and that his leg because he kicks at you if you if you get to his feet. Uh, mm-hmm. But if if he can't touch you with the rod, which only shoots downward, uh, or his legs, yeah. It turns out the head is the weakness, and you just punch him, and he just walks into each blow because he just doesn't know what to do other than lumber forward. So That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fun little uh, – I think – I'm sure there's an animated GIF somewhere of, yeah, right. <laughs> of just repeatedly punching Galamoth in the face. But, uh, but he was a hell of a boss fight and got my, uh, my, my uh, heart beating when I, when I finished that one up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat>
1: Well, the reward for, for killing Galamoth is a way to literally break the game. It gives you the poison mist. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> it was like the designers were like, all right, well, you, we, we put you through the ringer with this one, so just, just have a good time now. Just whatever. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So, um, all right. Uh, before we go into the end, are there any other optional boss battles anybody wants to talk about? I feel like I don't know a lot of them. I think I saw them all, but...
1: Yeah, there's nothing really, like, secret optional. It's not like Final Fantasy secret optional boss fight kind of thing. It's They're all kind of on the map waiting for you to fight them.
0: Yeah, I was looking at stats. Yeah, Galamoth has 12,000 hit points, uh, whereas <laughs> nobody else... Uh, most people have about 2,000 other than the third form of Dracula. Um, so, yeah, Galamoth and Dracula. He actually... Dracula only has 10,000 hit points, so Dracula actually has less hit points than Galamoth, so... Um, ridiculously uh, damaged spongy character, um, and you do, man. You're hitting him. I was hitting him for like a hundred damage apiece, and I'm like, God, when is this guy gonna drop?
1: Yeah, um, enough already.
0: Yeah, yeah. Used way more <laughs> elixirs than I wanted to, um, but uh, which is two, but still. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, all right, you want to talk about how we we wrap this game up? I yeah, I was at two hundred point one percent, but apparently that gets me the good ending. So, um, uh, but basically, as as we said, once you have all the five pieces of Vlad, which is a um, if you're not familiar, it's a it's a I believe that's a um, quoting or you know a hint at Vlad the Impaler, which was Dracula's original name. Um, right and then uh and then you can go into the clock room and instead of the ceiling opening up the floor opens up um and you you drop down into uh into a pit where you take on shaft yeah he's a bad motherfucker <laughs> oh, but uh, damn right <laughs> but uh and the shaft fight was one cross and I'm done uh so is there a form of this where it's a very difficult fight <laughs>
1: Austin, what do you think of this
0: (laughs) one?
2: I mean, I did not use the cross on (laughs) Shaft, but I mean, he has apparently 1,300 hit points. At this point in the game, I had a weapon that was doing 150 damage a hit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 12 hits
0: later, you've been fighting him for like 30 seconds, and now it's Dracula time. See, I mean, to borrow a crass uh, term, I blew my load too early there. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> boss, let's fight Shaft. Uh, uh, and and full disclosure, I did not know that Dracula was the final boss of this going into it. Somehow, I had avoided knowing that. So there Wait, was this played Castlevania games before. Okay, right? so I had a sneaky suspicion, and and I do believe okay. Alucard even makes uh, reference to taking on his dad. But uh, but you know, there's still that weird like, ooh, will Shaft raise him or not? You know? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and so there was this part of me that was like, again, this this harkens back to the days of when I talked um, the last boss in Fallout, uh, uh, the original, to killing himself. I was like, oh, am I lucky enough that I just blast through Shaft and we're done? Um, No, no, I'm not. But I did also have that, you get this piece right before you go and fight him where uh, it it, it restores all your hearts to 500. And I only had a max of like 412 or something. So, um. So I knew I could just re- restore my stuff, and I just didn't want to find out whether or not Shaft was a typical boss. Uh, clearly uh, wasted a-, a good resource way too early. So,
1: <clears throat> yeah, lesson learned.
0: <laughs> but I got to fight Dracula the old school way, although am I correct that he's resistant to the cross?
2: Mm, no, he is I definitely not. I don't,
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't really know, actually. I saw, like, blue numbers coming off of him so I didn't know what that meant
1: no it would it would say resist or something like that or immune
0: okay I thought I was giving him health actually uh to be honest so I just didn't use it um but who knows I I wish I'd I wish I'd captured that and and kept it because I could show you guys uh, but I'm I'm guessing it's just something like where it did maybe a reduced damage and it was just telling me that and I was just freaking out and thinking I was giving him health, <clears throat> but no, you uh, probably
1: just you were killing him. You're, you're doing the good work. <laughs> I was
0: making it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so what? What do you guys? Uh, what's your strategies with Dracula? Is is it pretty straightforward, or
1: yeah? You know, at that point, I mean, you can just sit there, get, especially if you find stuff like the Alucard sword, which. I mean, it's, as long as you're exploring the castle well enough, you're, you're just going to happen upon it anyway. Like, that's enough mm. to really sort of just sit there and tank him and, and kill him off. But, you know, stuff like the the Alucard Shield, Shield Rod, the, the Criseagram, <laughs> which is a weapon we didn't even talk about, that, like, you can just mop the floor of a Dracula pretty easily.
0: Well, and I I tanked him. Uh, what I did was I had never used any of my potions that I had gotten. So I would basically, you know, he he kind of stands around taking up 90% of the screen for like, you know, Mm. a while and just hits you with like little piddly damage. And then he does this big pentagram blast where he leaves the area. And so my rinse repeat was, all right, he leaves the area. I turn into mist. He blows the pentagram. Then I jump back. And as he's descending upon me, drink a strength potion, drink a defense potion, drink a lightning resist, drink a luck potion and just crit the shit out of him.
1: Yeah, just go to town on him.
0: <laughs> and I used the two pendants that upped my luck. So... Mm. <clears throat> and that was that was how I did that. Um, I actually killed him on a crit. I have a screenshot I put on Twitter. I killed him on a crit hit, but not that it matters. Nice. But nice. Um, but you get to see that through the whole ending dialogue, so you get to feel real good about yourself. But uh, <laughs> um, Austin, anything, uh, any other tricks you do with Dracula? Did you just sit in the poison mist form the whole time? <laughs> you can't. <No. laughs> Can you? you definitely okay.
2: can. Okay. Yeah, like but um I remember the first time I fought Dracula like it was or the first time that I played the game it was a few years ago and I fought Dracula it was he's kind of an anticlimactic boss fight in my opinion. Um I'm much more a fan of the style when you first fight him in the game as Richter. Uh that's a very common recurring Dracula type fight throughout the series. So just his third form and the claws and stuff, it was kind of like... I wasn't as much a fan of the form, and he's really not that hard. Like I said, uh, you get the cross earlier in the game as a sub-weapon, and from the point that you get it, um, I just kept it the entire game, and it kind of makes every boss fight ridiculously easy, which is probably... You know, you can play it a different way, but that was just the way that I was playing it this time to see if it worked. And you hit him with two crosses, use the 500 heart restore thing. You hit him with two more, he's dead.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs)
2: Literally, in the inverted castle, other than Galimoth, there was not a single boss fight that took me more than a minute and a half. Like, first try. Right. It's that easy. So cool yeah yeah well if you want to
0: have some fun with a traditional dracula fight that you're going to hate more than this um you need to get um uh dracula uh, what was it um it was the super nintendo one dracula X. it's like the weird remix of Uh, rondo of blood yes (laughs) yeah that final boss fight you are basically over a bunch of pits and he flies and he just basically appears above you and hits you with a fireball that knocks you into the pit um with saves, awesome. with save states, I think it took me seventy-seven tries.
1: You know, um, I've always been sort of a um, um, an apologist for that version of Dracula X because I think it's a competently made game, but like that boss fight at the end is total bullshit. Yeah, it's it's, it's like it is crap.
0: And the Europeans thought that was the best we had to offer. Like it's oh. so <laughs> unfortunate. I'm um, so sorry. And I should point out the Rondo of Blood boss fight. You are also over pits, but it is uh, more akin. So imagine a bunch of pits in the boss fight that uh, you do at the beginning of Symphony of the Night. That's more akin to what you're you're basically doing. Yeah. Um, it's a lot less bullshit, and at least the fireballs are moving left to right <laughs> and at an angle, not directly down upon you to knock you into a gap. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so um, but yeah, and then the the game ends and. Uh, in my ending, you know, Alucard takes off, I don't know, into the sunset in search of fun. Um, and, uh, and Maria uh, followed me. She shows up and she, she accompanies him as they leave. Um, is that the, the standard good end? Did I get that one?
1: Yeah, that's the best ending.
0: Okay. And then, so what happens if you, do, if you don't look at the whole castle and just jump into it?
1: Uh, it's really not that different. It's, oh, it's thanks. the exact same thing. Only like, you know, Alucard wanders off and says, we'll never, we'll never see each other again. And, and Maria and, and Richter is like, don't you want to go to him, Maria? She's like, <laughs> no, I'm okay. He's
0: He's got some problems. He didn't explore so. more than 200% of the castle. I just can't be with a man like that. <laughs> it's right.
1: He's not willing to put in that work. If he yes. doesn't want to see me at my worst. I don't want to. He doesn't want to see me at my best. So an
0: <laughs> with with commitment issues. Yeah, um,
1: that must be it. I so, gave him I mean, the glasses the and he didn't fight me. Ending.
0: Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I think it's a good and fitting end to that. Um, I don't. I don't know. Do you guys probably know? Is it in the portable ones where they continue this story, or is this really kind of the closure point for this story? Um.
1: I mean, that's kind of it. Like, um, Alucard shows up in a couple of the the portable Castlevanias, which take place, like, in the the near future from now. So he's been alive this long.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But, like, whatever happened with with he and Maria, like, Igarashi's never really touched on it. Um, There was a... The the last portable Castlevania that his team worked on was Order of Ecclesia, which is Mm -hmm. a total side story to all of this stuff and fans have speculated that the main character of that is, is their, their child. But Eiga's come out a couple of times and said, no, it's just something else we wanted to work on. So yeah, it really didn't get any farther than that.
0: Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it was, and again, it was, it was a great closure point to that game. Uh, and what is so striking about it to me is that I, I got done with it and immediately started up with Richter just to check it out. But like mm-hmm. it, the game entices you to play it again and again and again. Like it's, that's, that's kind of the building blocks of a really solid game. So, um, and in the Saturn version, you can unlock Maria as well with a clear save. You can put in Maria and you get to play as her. I've never done this. So me neither speak to it. Um, but I might, I might, there's a fan translation for it. So I might just throw the ISO patch on there, burn it and give it a go. Uh, especially cause I need to kill Richter the first time. So it'll be a good way to do both things. Um, provided that the frame rate doesn't screw me up. I'm, I'm still curious to see how that all performs, but, um, but yeah. Uh, well, so we'll, we'll jump into wrapping up with some impressions, but uh, anything else you guys want to say about, uh, about Symphony of the Night's uh, second campaign. Um, Oh, I guess one other thing I've thought of was the succubus, the succubus dream you can find um, where you kind of get some hints of the only other hints of plot I really saw with with your mother and uh, who Mm -hmm. she is and whatnot. But I don't think that ever gets told off, right? The succubus isn't your mom. She's just trapped in that dream world.
1: It's just an image of Alucard's mother. Okay, so it's not; she's not actually there. It's the succubus trying to lure Alucard into, I think, staying within the, the dreamland forever or something like oh. that. So but it's just not. Yeah, it's there's, it's a pretty loose plot moment. Like there's not, a, I mean, there's weight to it, I suppose, because like you you finally get to sort of see where Alucard comes from and that he is half human, half vampire, um, which is something that. Castlevania three didn't really touch on not that there was a mm-hmm. whole lot of plot to that game either, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, I don't want to call it a, a sort of throwaway moment because I, I suppose there's some weight to it, but like it's, it doesn't really go any farther than what you see.
0: I mean, it's good to see Morgan from uh, Darkstalkers dark stalkers getting extra work. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, they got, they got to eat, but, uh, but yeah. So anyway, um, all right, well then I guess we'll jump into impressions. Uh, Where do we want to start with this one? You want to start with Austin?
2: Okay. I I don't mind starting. Um, so I came into this one after playing every other entry in the series. Um, my first Castlevania game was actually the uh, Circle of the Moon on Game Boy Advance. I got that when I was like eight, and I totally loved it, despite how terrible I was at that game. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I played this one last. Um In comparison to the others in the series, I definitely think it holds up extremely well. Like, this does not feel like a dated game for the most part, especially Mm -hmm. compared to the other ones. Um, You see pretty much every theme from this game, from the enemies. A lot of the enemies are even reused, but just, like, the general style is reused a lot, and it's a very strong formula it's a great game great graphics everything is really good about it um but as far as it fits in the series in a whole i think it's pretty idiosyncratic and there are a lot of weird elements in it that did not come back into the other titles
0: Mm -hmm.
2: like there's the single use items like the (sighs) ranged ones did you guys use those at
1: all ever never I tried to
0: use a magic missile on Beelzebub, and the experience was so negative that I never did it again. Yeah. You know what? I think I lit a neutron bomb and dynamite. I think I hurled both of those at Dracula just to see what they would do. Um, And they do, as as expected, about 100 damage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like
2: those things there are a lot of them and you can tell they kind of put some thought into them like oh hey you should totally use these but there's really no good situation to use them in um so those are kind of weird i think the item healing was another thing that really i did not like in this game how you have to equip it as a hand Mm
1: -hmm. i thought that was really weird. like a roast beef in your right hand Kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I have a sword and a roast beef.
0: <laughs> well, When you kind of toss it on the ground, too, like,
1: <laughs> Right,
0: <laughs> Alucard can't just eat stuff uh, directly from his hands. He's just staring at it in his hands and trying to figure out what to do with it. So he has to throw it on the ground. It um, yeah. feels
1: it feels like these guys had had played RPGs before, but like never made one themselves, or <laughs> yeah. like that's one of those things that never would have gotten through testing. Like, why the hell are we letting him do this? It's yeah, useless totally extra step. That. Well, and the fairy
0: familiar does help you kind of not need to heal as much, um, right? I didn't use her as much, I think, as some people did, but she definitely came in, helped me in the Gallimoth fight. Uh, I, I, I found her useful there. And also, I think she helped me out a couple of times in the uh, the Beelzebub fight. But those are the only two mm-hmm. I can really think of. I didn't use her for Dracula, actually. So,
2: See, I didn't even know there was a fairy familiar that you could use to <laughs> well, <laughs> heal you. That,
0: yeah, it's a weird thing. You have relics, and you have to go turn on the familiars. So Yeah, yeah. I used enough. it
2: there. Yeah, I used the demon one, I think, the entire game. He's um, fun. Yeah, like, he he pushes a button at one weird spot in the game, right. and that freaked me out. I was like, <laughs> who is talking? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was just like, oh, there's a button here. I was like, what the hell is happening?
0: Yeah, the familiars do uh, chime in very rarely, but from time to time, and I, I found that amusing. Um,
2: yeah, like, it was interesting, but at the same time, like, the familiars again, like, they're... Kind of a cool little side thing, but they don't come back, and I can totally get why. Um, And then the last thing that kind of really is odd about this game compared to the other ones is the leveling system. Um, So when you defeat an enemy in this game, the amount of experience you get is based on the level that you are and right with
1: with like enemy kills and their level according to their level
2: yes i did not like that mechanic at all i think it's weird oh it was awesome
0: at the end of the game i could just throw an axe at a wall full of bats and 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 just grind for xp (laughs) (laughs) like
1: i agree though like i i wish it was more straight up than that like I, I have to wonder if this was probably their way of trying to balance the game a little bit because like you are going to be overpowered by the end of it no matter what. So Yeah. But if you're constantly killing mermen, eventually you're just not gonna get any experience from killing <laughs> mermen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I I agree.
2: Yeah, and it's just it's kinda odd and like some of the enemies when you first get in the inverted castle, like they give you a ridiculous amount of experience points. Uh you guys the mentioned the skeletons, yeah. 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 <laughs> Like, when you first get there, they give you, like, 2,000 experience each. And it's like, wow, I just jumped five levels, but now I will defeat 700 more enemies and not level up at all. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, it's just, it's weird. And another thing that I think they kind of improved upon in the other entries is there's a lot of this game that is really, like, you have to dig for it to understand, like not just uh, like little secret rooms and whatnot, but like fundamental mechanics, like the blunt damage versus the cutting damage or the Mm -hmm. elemental effects and everything. Like you have to go to the librarian to get like a list of enemies. And so you can see like their weaknesses and resistances, what they drop, the rarity of the things that they drop. And so I think like I didn't, that's a big mechanic of the later games. Like, in the DS games, I know I grinded a lot because I was able to identify, hey, this enemy, this is what they're weak to, this is
1: kind of what they You had those pop. lists, like, right in your menu. Like, you didn't have to go running all over the map to see it.
2: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I think it was, like, it was a good thought that they put it in this game, but at the same time, the mechanics, like, they're basically useless because you can't really reference them ever unless you look it up online
0: well again you have to justify your notebook by the side of your your, your desk, Austin I've mm. been trying to tell you this all day uh, <laughs> but uh, no.
2: yeah, but if you get a notebook and you write down every enemy's weaknesses and resistances by trying different items against them, it's just like it's a little tedious, but at the same time it's not really necessary, so can't knock it too hard for that
0: well and one thing i noticed and uh john maybe you know about this why when you pick up a health like max up does it restore all your health But when you pick up a heart max up it doesn't restore all your hearts
1: yeah it only gives you like five hearts back or something like that that is kind of odd i was Um, like why is this resource the rare one (laughs) yeah i don't really know that's a good question all right um I do know that like both of those would slow down my original PlayStation after a while though. So whenever I would get Mm. like a health max up or something like that, my PlayStation would like chug one frame at a time. (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
0: That. And when you beat a boss, when all the, when all the sprites come on the screen for the animation. Yeah. Yes. The, the,
1: the,
0: PS one man, like it didn't make any grinding noises, but had it, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, yeah, those
1: <laughs> those first generation PS ones were were not built to last. <laughs>
0: yes, mine's probably on its last leg, but that's okay. I have a, plenty of PS twos I can switch to. But uh, mm. but yes, yes, uh, it was just like, ugh, come on, man, <laughs> you haven't pulled me out of the cabinet in two years. Why are we doing this? Um, <laughs> right. But uh, all right, well, Austin, awesome. thank you very much. Um, I don't know, John. Should should I don't have too much more to add, but should I go next because it's my first time, or do you want to kind of throw the the counterbalance? Yeah, what you, to
1: what's what's your fir- I want to know what your experience is playing this for the first time.
0: Well, so one thing is, um, this is the most gorgeous SNES game I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but I, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Actually, I would say it controls actually more like the Genesis one. Um, but again, we're just talking about processor speeds and arbitrary uh, items. Um, but I really dug that it was a follow-up to Rondo of Blood, a game I really liked. Um, I didn't quite know how much, but you get to certain parts and, you know, you talk about this in the annotated many times, but like, I believe it is the catacombs where you're walking through those and in the background is the big beast that bashes into the oh, wall. Oh, for Rondo of Blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's little hints of that stuff everywhere. Again, uh, when, if you've played Rondo of Blood, entering the, uh, I th- I can't remember. I think it is the the catacombs again, uh, and seeing the the werewolf for the first time uh, as a normal enemy like that is mm-hmm. a uh, especially on the inverted castle that is a that is a very awkward um, slow approach uh, you take to those enemies because any minute yeah. you expect him to roll into a ball and uh, Z shape the room, uh, but uh, he doesn't. So um, so that, that was a very interesting take to just kind of see this alternative form and having played some of the portable ones to see how they kind of do things I've already seen done in those portable games, um, but see how they did it first and, and, and having references to a bunch of games I was very familiar with. Um, I was very impressed with the soundtrack. Uh to be honest, uh the there there's just parts of that and especially that that main one I'll probably throw it in here but that duh, 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 Yeah, that like,
1: soundtrack is just gorgeous. It's y- beautiful.
0: Well, and it's mm-hmm. totally like let's go fucking explore a castle. Like <laughs> there's there's something about that 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 really just struck me. Um and also the uh, I, I was continually impressed with, and we we didn't really quite touch on this, but I was continually impressed with the backgrounds. And again, as as they mm-hmm. talked about in the development, those backgrounds are kind of in and of themselves their own sprites, and they were kind of some of the most difficult things to put into the game. But like simple things where you're walking through like the corridors and the bell towers, and there's like uh, you know wind and everything going around in the background, or as you approach Richter and you you kind of see the the castle in the background is like a 3D animation, or even. Been down to just saving in the coffin. Um, there's some cool little 3D effects that are spattered into this this 2D game. And I think the reason I was most impressed by it is these are Castlevania games up to and including Symphony of the Night were always technical showpieces for the hardware they were on. It was always Konami's way to kind of flex its its muscles of of technical prowess, you know. And for all the things Super Castlevania IV isn't um, a technical showpiece for what that console can do, especially at launch, it definitely is.
1: Oh um, yeah, yeah. Castlevania IV is definitely like everybody. If you want to know what Mode Seven is this one game because it does all of that junk
0: yes yes uh, the just the whole level four where the the gears or where that that big uh gear is spinning in the background and it's not actually a 3d rendered gear spinning in the background uh but the same thing is true of bloodlines where um you know uh, oh i remember the the level where the the reflective surface keeps going up and down and like you're just like how did they do that
1: I right. will defend Bloodlines until I drop dead, because that game is, <laughs> it does things that the Genesis shouldn't do. Yes. Like, with the, the, the weird, infracted, like, what you were saying, like, there's one of the final levels in the game that, that just kind of, like, plays with the imagery, and it does some some rotating things with with a tower in one of the earlier levels. Mm-hmm. That game is beautiful. That is that that is peak Konami right there.
0: It, yeah, it makes you it makes you sit and wonder. Well, maybe if they bang their head against the wall enough, the Genesis could have tried to do scaling, uh, scaling and rotation. And, yeah, like Note right. Seven. Uh, and and again, they never they never made good on it. Uh, it. It would be really awesome to see what kind of those early versions of thirty two X. Castlevania would have looked like just to see what tricks they were throwing in there once they had that extra hardware bump. Man, Um, I'm
1: sure they saw the writing on the wall with the 32X right away. Because I mean, that would have made me get a 32X if there was a Castlevania (laughs) game for it, but like (laughs) I can't imagine anything else that I would want.
0: Everything went CD so fast. You know, we've talked about it, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, but uh, having done a lot of game clubs of games that started, we done Rayman and Crash Bandicoot. These games mm-hmm. all started as 32X games um, because it seemed to be the safe spot for people to go for their 2D with 3D like character models kind of world. Right. And then everybody just kind of reappropriated. Somebody threw an RPG onto the PlayStation and was like, look, this was going to be on SNES. Now it's here. And everyone's like, oh. Okay, we will go over here. We can go over here. So, uh, I think that's how it all ended up coming to pass. Mm. But, um, but yeah, yeah, there is there's some interesting stuff there. You know, believe it or not, Rondo of Blood is probably the least showy of those games that came out in that era. It doesn't do anything on the PC Engine outside of anime cutscenes, which every game spoilers on the PC Engine CD does. <laughs> um, it in the
1: soundtrack, like the, yeah, you're yeah. right. Like Rondo of Blood is a good looking game, but like compared to even Dracula X for the Super Nintendo it does cooler stuff with those backgrounds than what you'd see on the PC engine but right. Right, its Soundtrack is oh, it's so good.
0: Oh, it's it's yeah, it's mesmerizing. Um, you know, uh it it gives you reasons to copy your disc, burn it, and just pop it into a CD player and just make sure never to play track play. one. Yeah, don't yeah. play track one. But um but uh that being said, so I liked that, and then I am kind of a fan of the underdog. I always liked the twos that made them like action RPGs. So Zelda 2, Castlevania 2, you know, Mario 2 to a certain extent. Um I always loved those. So I had this this place in my heart for um castlevania 2 but i just didn't really like the game too much and uh (laughs) and i still never found the graveyard duck but anyway um but uh uh that's that's kind of a uh, you can listen to our Castlevania retrospective if you want to hear that joke, but that um, a deep, that's a deep cut right yeah. there, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But um, but anyway, I, so I like that Symphony of the Night. Kind of makes good on all those things, right? They're like, okay, here's a sequel to my favorite of the Castlevania games, which is Rondo of Blood. Although I can totally see the argument for Symphony of the Night, and I think if given more time and more playthroughs of it, maybe I could be swayed to Symphony of the Night as my favorite. Um, But with that in mind, plus uh, the fact that it kind of builds upon the original concept of two, like it just really brings everything together very well. Um, I also find that Castlevania games define themselves by the whip mechanic. And so it's so shocking that this is such a distinct game to the point that it is probably people's favorites, uh, many people's favorites. And yet it doesn't have a Belmont and it doesn't have a whip really. Um, And I think there's something to be said about that
1: an interesting so. point and i guess i never really thought about it that way
0: like you have this love for this game where you are not a belmont and you do not have a whip <laughs> or, right where
1: you're not that connected to the original games mechanically at all i mean they're they're almost night and day different
0: right well an you card was kind of a shit character in three i didn't really care yeah for he's him lousy in three yeah so yeah so there was a lot going against the premise of that but yeah but
1: you know i just it's this game was made with a lot of love. It was made by people that really loved this series and, and wanted to to set it free and, and, and just say goodbye in a very wistful way. And
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: something I've, I always sort of take away from this is that like, you know, with every awesome statue in a, in a background or whatever, like, you know, there were people clearly that just loved what they were doing, making this game. And, and I mean, I'm super biased. I I had this when I I got it for Christmas when I was 17 when it first came out, and I've played it tons and tons of times. I'm like, I'm recording off of the original copy I've had since then. So, That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
1: I, I love this game. It like and people I, when, and whenever anybody would ask me like, you know, gun to your head, what's your favorite video game ever? And I would I'd hem and haw over and probably say maybe Symphony of the Night, and mm-hmm. so I. I've played this game a lot and I love the fact that like every time I go back to it, even now, like I'm still finding interesting things that I just never noticed before because it's just so densely packed with, with fascinating little tidbits of things to see. So I, I want everybody in the world to play this. And I mean, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I think there are better, better Castlevania games going forward. Like I, this is a very unpopular opinion, but I think order of Ecclesia is, is a spectacular Castlevania game. It's Dark Souls before Dark Souls. If
0: right, well, I really morning, like morning, Order morning. of. E- yeah. <laughs> I really like Order of Ecclesia. I didn't know it was uh, kind of a uh, you know uh, a redhead stepchild of the series. Um, oh yeah, people hate that game. Okay,
1: <laughs> not as much as like Circle of the Moon. That gets a lot more shit now. But um, <laughs> oh, my two favorites. Wow, I've, and I've not played <laughs> Circle Man. of the
0: Moon. I should go back and play that. I have the dual cart. Uh, on okay. the Game Boy Advance, so I should probably go back and try those.
1: Also, not an easy game to love, the older it gets. It's it's not great, but like, I, I like Circle of the Moon. But anyway, like, yeah, Symphony of the Night is it's beautiful. It's it's just, there's so much to it. There's so many different ways to play it. Um, I mean, I can't say enough about it, and I, I really hope, if, if you've never played this game, you're listening to this podcast, there are tons and tons of different ways that you can get it you can buy it on on the virtual console or the um the xbox 360 you can get it on the ps3s um they're the psn you can actually Mm -hmm. play ps1 disc games on any playstation 3 if you want like the most beautiful experience for a ps1 game that's like at the minimum amount of minimum cost it's probably the way to do it so go play it you'll love it
0: yep oh and uh I believe the uh ron or sorry the um the Symphony of the Night is now backwards compatible on xbox one as well, so that's another there way people can enjoy that um but yes uh and you could you could get crazy and spend one hundred and fifty bucks on the Saturn version and and see what that's all about if you want to but uh i, I might <laughs> I might throw a video together of that just looking into it uh oh wait, no, digital foundry that's right i'm gonna just throw that one up there
1: um, yeah, look at the digital foundry version i'm I've toyed with the idea of like starting a Patreon for the videos, just to just to buy a Saturn and get a get a, a copy of it. But I've I've pooh pooed that. I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, Saturn's a fun one to get RGB out of. Uh, S video does pretty well though. Uh, that's I was what they say. say. Yeah. Your videos look uh, look very good for captured from original hardware. Um, so. Uh, no, that's PS3 actually. Oh,
1: I've, okay. Okay. I yeah I might capture card um, wouldn't do like I was gonna do it on a PS2 and it would, it wouldn't play nice so um, <laughs> emulating it emulating it wasn't a perfect experience for me there was there were too many frame drops mm-hmm. so I, I just did it on, I'm doing it on a PS3.
0: And that's still good enough. Like with all the, you know, my capture card that I use is a, a sim- similar to the Framemeister. It's a Comsoft, um, mm-hmm. uh one that's really overpriced and, and it grabs it at 240p. But then I put about, about 10 hours of post-processing in order to make it look similar wow. to what you get. Um, and that's for each hour of footage and you have to capture raw. So uncompressed footage is about 30 gigs an hour. So you have yes. to have a lot of stuff. Yes. With that, Yikes. but yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of times I say with PS1 games, eh, just throw it on PS3. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Um,
0: but uh, all right, well, John, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I, I very much feel that the show is better for uh, having you on it, and uh, and and thank you so much for the efforts you put forth uh, with the annotated Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night was an incredible experience. I'm glad I finally got to play it all the way through. A great game club and a fantastic episode, so I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm glad you stayed along afterwards to hear some of these announcements. Um, So here's the deal. Retroactive Magazine, just in the form that we promised, isn't going to happen. I'm sorry. What ended up happening was desktop publishing is so much harder, and everything that is so easy to do on a website becomes so cumbersome on a PDF. So what I'm thinking about doing is finding a way to take the writings we put on GamingHistory101.com turn them into a pdf so that people who don't have a chance to watch or read the site you know moment to moment can like take it on the go and then get to the links later so for now the bad news is we're not making retroactive magazine also i should point out assembling the magazine was the one part i never accounted for and it actually ends up being like the most work and i just can't do it and keep up with gh101 and keep up with ghx and god if any of you really want cron cd to continue that's never going to happen if i add the magazine to it so i need to start consolidating my life and being better at actually getting stuff out so i apologize for that maybe there's a future for it we'll have to see in the meantime the content that was supposed to be in retroactive magazine will start going live june 1st so look forward to that because there's gonna be a lot of great written stuff first of all starting in june and then moving forward um second of all the live shows this has been an interesting point of contention for a while um The live shows were great, but then one of the biggest problems we had was most of our guests couldn't make our time slot, which is Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Another thing is a lot of our guests didn't like the idea of live. If a developer is doing an interview and we ask a weird question or something they can't answer or they let something slip, they're screwed. And so PR reps and devs alike just would not come on. So that's a problem, although I can't promise you that like there were people banging down the doors to be part of GH101 or GHX. But we have definitely a good list of people lined up, and I think we can keep adding more Provided that you know we we continue with our non live format. Furthermore, Jam couldn't be part of it, so that took it off the board right there. But then showing up for the Tuesday shows, like the fact that they're pre recorded, kind of kills the point of radio. And a lot of you listeners out there, a lot of you in the chat out there who are in the live shows, you know who you are, um, weren't very pleased with that. And I totally get it. It was also hard for me to keep up with the chat, so it just seems like it's kind of falling apart. So I need to talk to all games about you know, what I'm going to do about that slot and probably just give it up. But the reality is GH101 and GHX are not great with live people because we don't really you know, the whole point is to get our thoughts together and our research and put it all out there for you and interacting with people. I think there's a better way to do that. If you've got any ideas, let me know. Contact gaminghistory11.com and maybe we can do like random live shows where it becomes a little more special. But we'll have to look into that. Uh, People have also asked if we could, record, you know, broadcast our live shows just understanding that there's no chat uh, you know, kind of sharing. And we might be able to do something like that but again, I still feel like that kills the point of a live show. So, I don't know. That's in flux, but right now I just don't think we can move forward with it. So, for the most part, let's just say for right now that there is not going to be any live show and I do have to talk to uh Derek and, and and all games and all them about it. Um but I get the feeling that that slot's going to go away. Furthermore, I keep doing more episodes of B Team. I think I'm going to go back to that. I know that that makes some of you very happy, and I feel like B Team and other conversational podcasts is much more conducive to a live format. Last of all, June. June's going to be a little discombobulated because a couple of things are happening. One, I am just kind of inundated. I've got a lot of stuff going on at work. My daughter's finally old enough for her to be more dynamic and me to be doing more stuff with her. I want to get back into Kron CD, like, really bad, and I need to kickstart that. And also, uh, I'm going to E3. So I'm going to be at E3 for, you know... Seven out of the, uh, you know, uh, 30 days of June. So uh, that's going to be busy plus travel. So um, what's going to happen is the schedule is going to be a little skew. So GHX will go as planned. We've got a guest lined up and everything this next week, but no GH101 episode. Also, there will be no um, game club this month. I just, again, I need to get caught up. I'm hoping I can do some Cron CD games instead of a game club and uh, further things like that. Next, there probably won't be a GH101 or GH... Well, there's going to be something. Something's going to go live. So next week, GHX will go live. And then, oh yeah, sorry. There's going to be no GH101 or GHX the week of E3 because we're going to be putting out a ton of episodes. Now, I'd love to be able to do it with the all games, guys, because we've done that many times before and it's been very successful. But because I'm going to be there and I don't know what the status of... The internet's going to be... These are going to be pre-recorded shows that I'm just going to put in the live feed. They're going to feature Hefe, my partner in crime who's coming with me, but I'm hoping to get some talent and maybe some developers and various things like that involved. So there's going to be a lot of content going live. You're definitely not going to be starved for content. So we're going to let that go by for E3 week. And then we're going to come back and do another GHX. um, And then we'll finally jump back in with a very special announcement. um, And I'll I'll just bring it out. We may be having a a, a special guest and and potential co-host joining us for GH101 in the future. So um, his name's Wolfie. He's been on GHX. So we're going to beta test him at the end of June and get those things started. But then we'll come back hitting the ground running in July with new episodes, possibly this new co-host and a new game club. And I pretty much figured out which one we're going to do. We'll announce that, you know, after all of the shenanigans with E3. So I hope that's not a bad thing. E3 is a really exciting time for gamers. I know you retro enthusiasts love... You know, when we talk about retro content, you kind of feel like this is taking a back burner. I promise you it's not. And if anything, there's going to be a lot of features about the retro games at E3. So bear with us. Hang in there. And you know what? I need to talk to Jam and I need to think about it for myself. But we may get some retro spectacles that will go live at random times throughout the whole E3 kerfluffle and actually the 3 weeks in a row with no retro. We we can probably fill in those gaps. So stay tuned, watch for that, and I promise you we'll we'll do better. But the one thing I got to tell you is I'm burning the candle at both ends and I just don't want to burn out and I don't want these things to stop. So I need to do certain things that allow me to continue on without burning myself out. So you know, and the same is true of Jam. I mean, it's the very reason why he couldn't be part of live shows. I promise you he's not working while our live shows are going on, but he would be so exhausted it would completely undo his, his flow of his life, and we don't want to do that. So anyway, hang in here with us. Please join us. And again, all any and all comments, please send them to contactgaminghistory101.com. This is Fred. Peace.